what I want to do today is I want to talk to you from a biblical perspective on marriage and how God looks at marriage as, as given in Scripture and kind of some of the things that we do when we go through counseling for a couple that's getting married or a couple that's going through a situation in their life and we bring them together when we've done counseling for couples that are uh, needing to, uh, you know, just different areas of their marriage to uh, to come up to snuff. And um, so we want to just go through that initially, and um, that shouldn't be too long. And then what we want to do is we want to open up for questions here, okay? And then and then Melanie and I will both kind of just speak to that to those things. And then I, and Melanie, you as you just just give me the you know the tap like like wrestling. And we will, uh, and, I, and you can speak when, when you're, uh, whenever you're ready. And or if you guys have questions for Melanie, you know, you can address them. Well. So I really wanted uh, her to be here to do this as well, because we, we usually when we counsel couples, this is how we do it both together. So let's just bow our heads and just ask God for the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, no matter if we've been married one year, we're engaged. 10 years, 20 years, Lord God, we can always learn from your word, God, and become the kind of couple, Lord, that you intended when you made the very first couple. And Lord God, that we can bring glory and honor to you, that we can be a reflection of your relationship with the church. And Lord God, that we can um, love one another, Lord God, as you intended, in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things I like to do is I like to go back and look at how God started this thing. This whole marriage. Where did it come from? You know, this is a thing that God invented. It didn't, you know, it didn't come through the United States or any culture in the world. God instituted marriage. And that's, that's an awesome thing. And really, among institutions, the church is an institution, right? We call the church an institution. It's been called that. And we know whether whether it's the real church or just the you know the traditional church or the church that's institutionalized only. The church is an institution in that it is this thing set up uh, specifically and uh, with with purpose. And uh, but God created so God created on this earth in the beginning in the very early days of creation. God created. He instituted marriage. And the cool thing about it is, you know, because part of marriage is this whole, you know, sex and all the things that are part of marriage. God invented sex. Isn't that cool? Say God invented sex. You know, the world didn't invent sex. You know, Hustler Magazine didn't invent sex. Playboy didn't invent sex. God invented sex. So the best sex ought to be happening among Christians. Okay? And so, and, 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 that, and so there has to be, you know, in any kind of relationship where, where, you're, where you're being one, you're being one spiritually, mentally, and physically. Sex is about being physically one. It's, a, it's, a, it's, another, it's, a, it's another way that we become one. And out of it, that God shows that through that, life comes. Life comes. And so when we look at the garden, God created man. And here's Adam, you know, and he sends him, you know, the animals, name all the animals. So he was busy doing that, naming all the animals. 
You know, and, and in a perfect world, before there was sin, when there was no sin nature, uh, when there were not the effects of sin, the curse was not upon the land. The curse was not in man. It wasn't in the universe. And God says, in that perfect world, there was one thing that was not good. Before, before sin, before the fall, God said there was one thing in a perfect world that he created perfect. With a perfect man in a perfect world, there was one thing that was not good. And he said this, it is not good for man to be alone. And he brought man, all the animals. Now guys, listen to this. Because sometimes we like to fish and we like to go golfing and we forget about our family and our wife. And I think that's why God brought Adam all, before he created Eve, he brought him all the animals first. He said, no, let me just, you know, I know how you guys are. You're like fixing things. You're like shooting things. You know, you're like, you know, you like conquering things, you know. That's what guys do. Guys are fixers. That's why sometimes the communication problem arises because the guys want to fix it and the women want you to sit there and he hear you. You know, they want to explain and, and you, you know, and to be a good husband, you have to listen, you know. You have to be into it, man. You know, pipe, I don't drink coffee, but, you know, whatever it takes to, to be there or walk, you know, for us, it was walking, you know, walking together. You know, you're not spending time, so I started walking together, you know. But so I think that's why God sent the animals along for him to name them. Because he wanted, not that God, God knew what man needed from the very start. But he brought the animals along and said, everything else that I've created, you don't need this. You understand? Everything else on the world, this perfect world with perfect animals. You know, the lions were coming along. And guys, you know, you know, man, like, look at this animal. Wow! You know, could this be my partner? Could this fulfill my desire? You know, you know, going on a safari or something, you know. God brought everything in the world that was to man first. And it was to teach him that there wasn't anything else in the world that could give an answer to that which was not good. He said the aloneness to man would only be met by a unique creation out of his side, out of his own self. And that is really the power of marriage. That is a part of the divine institution of marriage. It's, it's not just this corporate thing. I mean, the world has maligned it. Sin has maligned it. But when God chose it, he said out, you know, God didn't just create a woman out of the ground. Again, he could have done that. And then you'd have the, the whole individuality, you know, the, the individualism that is so much being sought after today. This is why we get these, these agreements in marriage, you know, these, what do you call them? Prenuptial agreements. Because we're trying to keep our individual individual, ah, how do I say it? individuality, you know, in marriage. But God says marriage is about being one. Being one. And so he took woman out of man's flesh. Out of himself. You know, so, and then when man and woman come together in marriage, that's why he says the two shall be one because that's how God ordered it. From the beginning. That's how he baked this thing up. You know? He didn't take two separate things. He took one thing and he made two. 
And the two again become one. And so that is the, that is the, the wonder, the awe of this divine institution. It's a, marriage is a God thing. And it is a great thing when God is in the midst of it. It is a wonderful thing. I can't imagine walking in my life for the last 25, we'll be married 25 years in June. June 8th will be 25 years old. And I, can't, I, I cannot imagine for the last 25 years doing everything that God has asked us to do by myself. You know, and, and I, you know, my wife and I probably in the last few years pioneering this church. We pioneered, you know, helped one of the pioneering couples to pioneer SUM. And, uh, you know, that was a huge sacrifice. And then about the time we got to the end of that thing, uh, you know, and finally we were starting to do well. Finally they started paying us. You know, the last year we were there. That's finally when we started getting paid by the school, over both president, over both, you know, schools in Oakland and New Orleans. And, uh, but then God says, leave that. And then, and then he tells us later to pioneer church. So we go right back to the beginning. Starting with nothing. And then, you know, as I was telling Pastor Joe, SUM had sucked out all of the financial whatever we had left over. So, you know, we had nothing going back to the beginning of planting that church. But, I mean, and, you, know, you think to yourself, stress, yes, a lot of stress, a lot of sacrifice. But it has been, we have grown even closer. You know, you think, you know, stressful times oftentimes pull couples apart. Finances, one of the number one things. Finances, family, that's another big one. Family will pull couples apart. You know, we don't do it this way, and you don't talk about my family. You know, you don't talk about my family. You know, that kind of thing. Come on, you guys know. You know, sometimes you don't say things. Sometimes the woman's there with the dishes, and the clanging of the dishes get a little louder. Kind of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, you're like, I'm going to do this, you know? And so... And so when you look at it, it's about being one. And no matter if you weren't saved when you got married, now that you're saved, you need to come into this revelation of the uniqueness of marriage and what it is. It's, it's a powerful thing. N number one, it's, it's a way that God uh, brings about our progenitors. You know, you know the people that, that, that we, uh, you know, our offspring. How, how do we multiply, fruitful and multiply? God... He doesn't keep creating people. Right? He creates through us. Isn't that a powerful thing? It's, it's, it's such a thing too, like the church. That's, that's a picture of the church. What, what Jesus left the earth. When he left, he gave the church. You, I, I came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. When he left the world, and, and of course he was adding people to himself, people were getting saved, coming to him. When he left, he gave the job to the church. The church's job now is to seek and save the lost. That's the church's job. Through the church comes the preaching of the gospel, the opportunity to faith, and the grace of God comes through the preaching of the gospel. God works with the church. That's why Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, as though God did beseech you through us to be ye reconciled unto God. We have received this ministry of reconciliation. Well, Christ came to do it, and then he gave it to the church. We be, he is our head, but we are his hands and his feet. 
And then he, he, when he, when he modeled, and so there's a model of God's work going through the church. And that's why God, when he wants to describe that model relationship between the church and himself, he says it's like marriage. Because we are one. We're one. And so you think about that. And so how does God accomplish his destined will, his will, to uh, populate the earth? He just created a man, and out of the man, a woman. And he says, from these two, I'm going to populate the whole earth. You think about that for a moment. God's plan for the entire world, you know, first he created the man, out of the man, the woman, and then out of that, he says, now you go, be fruitful, and multiply. That's a powerful thing. You see, God doesn't create new souls to go into a sinful body since the effect of sin. God put that in effect in man so that when man, it's an act of God, but it's an act of God that God started in seed form through man and woman. We call it the traducian model. You know, the, the Catholics believe that God creates a brand new soul every time a child is conceived. But that would mean that God is sending a holy soul into a sinful, corrupted embryo, which that, that, that's, theologically, that doesn't fit. You know, the Mormons believe there's this pre-existence of souls. You know, someone dies and a soul goes on up and he's wandering up there. Here's another being conceived and the soul comes down. You guys probably heard that as a child. Sometimes as a child, oh, you're going to come down from heaven, little angel, and go into, you know. But that's not how it happens either. And that's why, that's why in Hebrews, when he says, when, when, it, uh, when, when Abraham was offering, uh, when he was offering uh, tithe to Melchizedek, he said, that's why the priesthood of Melchizedek is greater than Levi, because Levi was in the loins of Abraham. And so when Abraham offered up, you know, a, a tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek, which is the priesthood, Levi was paying those tithes too. Because Levi was in Abraham. It's powerful. And your children, what you, when you have children, out of a relationship of being one comes someone else. That is a powerful thing. I'm trying to get you right on the right thinking about your life together as husband and wife. That your children are joy. You look at your children, you look at yourself, don't you? You see yourself and your children. You see, you see, you see your life. That's why it's a great thing. You see, you know, you may die, but you know your life is being lived on through that child. You're giving birth to something. That's why it's such a powerful metaphor when we talk about the church and what it, what it does. It gives birth. It gives birth. That's why today when we're praying, I always see, you know, in a person, our spirit, our souls, in their spiritual loins, there is a generation waiting to be born. It's powerful. It's exciting. And a family who, who, is, who has Christ at their core, and who, who is ruled by Christ, who, who, who allow the Spirit of God to come into their home and who make their home a Christ-centered home. That is the most, one of the most exciting things in the world. Because there, before there was a church, there was marriage. Before the fall, there was marriage. There was sex. Sex is God created it to be enjoyed. 
to be, to, to be pleasurable. And that's why the Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. And in Christ, it's a holy thing, it's a wonderful thing, it's a pleasurable thing. God created woman, guys, to answer our need that could not be met by anything else in the world. And here is a mind-boggling thing. In one sense, see, because it was a perfect world, and God said... It is not good. There was something that God intended to supply man with that could not even be supplied. Not that it couldn't be supplied by God, but God determined that it would not be supplied by him, but by someone else. Do you understand what I'm saying? you understand how important your spouse is? How important that person is. Now there's, all of us need God. He is the central figure in our life and has to be the central figure. He's who we need supremely. But there's a sense also that you need the person that's sitting next to you. You need them. You need them. That's why, man, there are certain people in this world that you don't need. You know? That's why you need to be godly man, godly woman. You walking together. And that kind of that kind of relation, man needs relationship. And the pinnacle, all of us, you know, they say that a child that's born, if 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 it's not held, if it's not held, it's not nurtured, that child will die. They say that scientifically, you know, and they they've done it with animals. If they if they they take an animal and they try and give it some kind of false relationship, not that nurturing mother-child parent relationship. The, that thing becomes skewed or, you know, something happens that's not healthy. So God created us to be in relationship. And so the very apex outside of God, now God is our supreme relationship. Really, the fact is that God is our life flow. See, that's why God breathed into us. That God is the very energy of our being and we lost that through sin. And so that's put back to us in the way of relationship with God. That comes again. But the pinnacle of our human relationship is that person, that other person. Man and woman. So let me tell you something, gentlemen. There should be not a buddy on this planet that can take the place of your wife. And women, your sister, your mother, your father, I don't care who it is. There should not be another person on the planet. Once you get... Married. That's why you said, therefore, a man shall leave and he shall cleave. You know? And that's for both of us. You, for both, both sides, man and woman, you leave and you cleave. So, whatever was supplied by your family, now, that, there's a new family. And that should be supplied by your spouse. That's how God intended it. You say, well, my family, let me tell you something. Once you get married, that's your family. That's your family. So sometimes we get, my wife left her family in Canada and moved down, I dragged her down to Louisiana and, and for 25 years, maybe once a year or twice a year, she's got, been able to go back. But I mean, that, that has been the, the wonderful thing is that she was able to leave and say, okay, this is my home. This is, this is my family. This is, this is us. And, and it's been an awesome thing to be able to, it's been like, oftentimes like us against the world. You know? And, but we've been happy with that. You know, and it's been exciting. And, and you say, if you're not there, well, how do I get there? Well, that means that you need to start, you know, if you need to get closer to God, what do you do? What do you do? We 
you spend time with Him. You start praying, start reading your word. And the same thing. That you need to get close to your spouse because there's something that's coming between you. We gotta remove that thing and that spouse. You need to start spending time. You need to start listening to that person. Gentlemen, whatever it was when you started pursuing that girl, you know, and you thought she was the cat's meow, you know, whatever it was, you need to go back there. You need to go back there. Because like we get it and like job finished. Job accomplished. Right? Yeah, job accomplished now and like the woman's like hanging like, where's my Romeo? You know? Someone else is coming in the door, you know? But Romeo that was trying to like woo me, you still need, women still want to be wooed, right? Go ahead, pick, up, pick it up. Tell us. <laughs> well, I, I've been thinking about uh, in creation. You know, our society has definitely moved towards an androgynous society where it seems like women want to be like men, men want to be like women. Um, you know, we have moved into that society where we no longer see distinctive roles as far as a woman being feminine, men being masculine. Um, that's almost looked down a lot in some circles. We've seen that, right? Oftentimes in our clothes. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes I can't tell. Well, especially in New Orleans. Okay, that, maybe you have that in Chicago too, you know? They're like, well... And, but God distinctly made men and women, biologically, physiologically. You know, we are totally different. And, um, you know, I find it interesting that even in the gay community, if you have a lesbian couple or a homosexual couple, you will definitely have one that is more feminine and one that is more masculine. But why is that? That's because that's how God created us in each of us. And that we are distinctly different. We and but those differences are good. You know, if we were all the same, it wouldn't be good. And in your marriage, you must determine as a wife. And there's nothing wrong with being the fit. Now, that's not to say blue jeans or whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't get these boy briefs. Women wearing boy briefs. You know, that to me, come on. You know, no, come on, get a little late, come on. You know, we are women, we must be feminine. And, um, you know, okay, I'm not saying you don't be comfortable or whatever, but, you know, that is a... Men like the lace. That's right. <laughs> and women like the leather, you know. No, that's a fancy But, um, you know, it's true, and that's how God created us, as a man and a woman. And, you know, I think a real need, too, for a lot of women is to see their men men up, right? And, you know, we must also train our young men to be men. And we'll probably get more into that aspect because, um, uh, as far as we're going to probably discuss about the submission, and that, again, relates to the man's role and the women's role. And so I really, I see that need as in, in the Christian community that we need to take that back and we need to lead the way and say, you know, my wife, to be feminine, to be loving, to be gentle, to be soft, to be kind, to be soft-spoken, you know, we don't see that a lot outside of the Christian circles. And for, uh, and now not to say, God uses our personalities, you know. My husband says, I used to be sweet. What happened? I said, I had four boys. <laughs> you know, so I can be a drill sergeant when I need to be. But in that bedroom, you know, I'm no drill sergeant. Okay? So there are roles. There's, there's a place and a time for everything. And in, and in, and in the bedroom, he's... 
Feel that, baby. I'll still do that. Feel that. It may be under a little, a little bit more, but it's still down there. And um, now the one thing about a woman that, you know, sometimes we think, oh, we're not as important as a man. You know, you know, we get the whole deal we're created out of the rib. You know, you hear that. But, you know, God chose a woman to bring life into the world. Right? And so, now, of course, we can't do it without the man. But we have an important place in our, in our marriage. We have an important place in our church. We have an important place in the ministry that God has given us. Yes. And so, um, you know, if ever you are as a woman and you're struggling and uh, with your role and with your femininity, just that's how God created you. And you are a perfect fit for your husband. I mean, we see that biologically, right? Uh, you know, you fit together. I won't go into more details because we all know how that works. And... Um, <laughs> But you know, that's, we fit together perfectly. That's why two men don't fit, fit together perfectly. Or two women try to, and it doesn't work, because that's not, that's not how God created for men, for men in the civilization. He created a man and a woman. I just wanted to bring that up. So I forgot your original question. No, sister, hello. You know, the thing is, is that when we look at going back to God's intention, you know, it's the procreation, but again, it was an answer to man's aloneness. It was that ultimate supreme picture of relationship. And uh, let me tell you, when, when, when your relationship is right in the home, your kids will know it. And they will be happy, they will be healthy, and they will be whole when your relationship is right. And when that house is in order, that's why the Bible talks about for an elder, for a deacon. He goes into the home, he gives all these requirements about, you know, sin and, you know, being uh, sober-minded, you know, not being a drunkard and all these kinds of things like that. But he goes back to the home and he says, hey, if a minister can't rule his own home, he has no business in the house of God taking authority. Because if you can't do it there, if you can't disciple your children, you're not going to be able to disciple anyone else. And you know what the problem is, is that people, we can make disciples of people that really don't know us. And then it becomes harder to make disciples for people that really know us. They see you all the time. Gentlemen, one of the things that I have done in disciplining my children, because we're not perfect. We have gotten in arguments before. You know, we have gotten, uh, you know, gotten mad at our kids. I mean, I've wanted to like throw my kids through the roof at times. You know, and uh, and, and and as a man, you that anger. You know, when you when you're, you know, all of us men deal with that when you, you come to that. Different, uh, uh, most of us have different levels of where that comes out, but all of us deal with it at some point. You know, and one of the things I've had to do, one time, I'll just tell you a story. You know, I was uh, president of SUM, and I was, uh, you know, man, we were under pressure. We were, you know, like, man, I think we were two or $300,000 in the red. You know, we were needed in America, you know, and, uh, you know, and I'm coming home with this weight on me. And, you, you know, a lot of guys, we take off. Let me tell you, that's a, that's a mistake. We take off. We leave, guys. That's why our sons are being raised up the way they are. 
And they're leaving. That's why divorce is happening, because we don't have enough men being men. You know? A man is supposed to be a bulwark in your home. You're supposed, you are supposed, not that you can't be tender or kind, but you need to be that steady one. God, that's how God created us. God created us to be a pillar in our home. You know, and it's leadership. It is leadership. God has granted to you, as a man, an aspect of leadership. Now, it might be different levels, but let me tell you something. God puts the leadership of the home on squarely on the man's shoulders. You know, there was this teaching a long time ago that women were the thermostat in the house, the spiritual thermostat. That is false and unbiblical. You know, that is false and unbiblical. The Word of God, you go throughout it, and He puts... He says, "Not let the hearts of the children be turned to the hearts of the fathers. You want the home to be right? Get the father right. And the home will be right. Where was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I was uh, under, under, uh, <laughs> I was under stress and I went out and, and I was watering. I was doing, I was cleaning my grill off, you know. All of us guys, we like our grill to be in good shape, you know. And so I'm cleaning the old grill off. And, you know, I'm trying to calm down, you know, because my, you know, my brain's fluttering, you know, and my heart's racing, and I'm like thinking, okay, you know, I'm just trying to get to that place of, you know, serenity now type of thing, you know, and I'm like, you know, swishing off this, and my wife comes out, man, she starts talking, man, and I can't remember what was going on, but she wanted my attention, so she upped the ante, you know, and started stirring the pot, you know, and you guys know, if you're married, you know, when the pot starts getting stirred and the button starts getting pushed. Now, you know, come on, can I get an amen? Give me an amen. You know, because you know when the pot starts getting stirred. And I mean, when the pot started getting stirred, I could just see my, feel my blood pressure going up, man. Just, I mean, and I was already there and I was trying to move down. So it went, whoop, pop. And I took that. The handles was, you know, squirt thing, and I, and I, you know, I was had a hose, and there was a big metal handle thing, you know, and then I took it and I started hitting the, the what? You know, I started hitting like this the barbecue pit. What do you want me to do about that, man? I put a hole right in the middle of that, you know, the side thing. Now, don't be looking at me all self-righteous. Then to top it off, I was in such, I just, I, I went inside the house, and we have this. A thing like this. You know when you get in range, you get strong, man. I picked that sofa thing up over my head, and I was going to throw it through the wall. I'm telling you. Now you... Where'd the anointing go? You know? But I remember. I remember. All of a sudden, when I got that thing up, there were my sons looking at me like this. You know, like that. And my wife is, no, honey. Like the voice gets distant, you know, but she might be hollering, but you, you know, you're so like calm, like, oh, you know, like that, don't do it, you know? and I was like going to throw that thing through the wall, and at that moment, it's like, and I put it back down, and I'm like, oh, God, president of a Bible college, same Bible college Pastor Joe came from, raising up pastors, you know? Yeah, we can go there. You know. You know, and, 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 and the blessing can be a curse because that blessing that could cause us to defend our home when we need to can become a curse. Mishandle. You know, and so the thing is, is that what did I do? At that point, you know what you learned? Say this with me, Ben. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
say it louder. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. This is not right. I made a mistake. Come on, say it louder. I made a mistake. Say it. I made a mistake. Ooh, it's hard for us guys to get past that. But you know what? You have children. You have sons. Whatever, whatever it is. I had to repent in front of my family. Right there. We had to have a coming to Jesus meeting. I said, I'm sorry, guys. Sons, this is not how we do this. And then I got to model the right behavior, right? And of course, we, we, we have a family altar, and, and they know this is not characteristic for dad. But any of us can go there in a New York second. And see, you need, you need to bring humility in your life, you know? And you're going to teach your kids something. I, you know, I'm so thankful our kids are... i got two sons going to the ministry. i got four sons. Pray for all of them to go into ministry, but I want them to do what God wants them to do. But I've been dedicating them to God since they were a child. And my first two have heard the call of God, and they're both uh, in college. One's finishing up. One is just getting started. You know, one's married, and they're in ministry. They have been called to ministry. And I've taught them there's no higher calling. Not if you're the president. You'd have to take a step down to be the president of the United States. You know, and I, we prepared that we had a family altar every night. There was a couple of years where I, I didn't do that very well and had to repent and go back to doing it. But most of their life, we have had a family altar. But, you know, even with all of that and all the churchy stuff, you know, and all the stuff of serving God, as we grow in Christ and, and as things happen to tr bring, bring us, you know, to that place of the breaking point, you know, and, 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 we, and we break and we make mistakes. At that point, as we come to God, God loves us, you know, and our wives do the same thing, you know, that we can, that we can uh, ask forgiveness, not only of God, but of our family. And you know what? What you're doing is you're teaching your kids that, hey, when you make a mistake, it's okay. It's not okay uh, you know, to, to be satisfied with a mistake, but it is okay to get repentance and to find restoration. You know? Well, related to that circumstance, I would not have acted the same way now. And this is what I learned from, from it. Um, women, uh, men do need to decompress. I mean, that is the fact. They come home, they initially, they like to get into their cave, they need time to decompress. Their cave, their man cave. You know, it is true. And we women, being verbal, we want to speak, 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 speak. And then we want to tell everything that happened in the day. And, you know, it's just a small thing, but it makes a big difference. When your man comes home, or I know even a lot of you work, you know, uh, when you get home, you know, have some, just some quiet time or some alone time or something where your man is able just to decompress whatever he needs to do, you switch, you know, surf, surf, I have no idea why they like to do that, you know, surf the TV, you know, just surf, 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 or whatever, that is important, that is important for a man. And then when, because too, as a married couple, when we are first eager to meet their needs, in addition, then they are then eager to meet our needs. It, but you always have to make the first step. In a, in a marriage, you know, you can't, you should be the person that God wants you to be. And that, that usually means doing the right thing the first time. Doing it right away. You know, you know what's right, but if you're waiting for that other person to do it, uh-uh. God's telling you to do it. You know what's right, you do it. And if you know your man needs that time, then you do it. 
And and in return, and of course I'm speaking from the woman's perspective. So I you know, and I was doing that. Da, 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 da. Now secondly, man, men, what a woman needs is security. You know, things can be falling apart, but if her man is telling her, it's gonna be okay. God is in control. It is going to be okay. My husband has to tell me that now almost every day. And um, okay, we're gonna make it. Yes, we're gonna make it, honey. A woman needs security. Oh, you know, um, I really like it too. Uh, on, a, on a side note, um, on on a, a, a woman, a lot of married couples now are doing my Facebook as a joint account. You know, a, uh, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Or, um, you know, where a woman needs security, knowing that she can be, um, you know, men, if, and I'm just going to put it out there, if you can't be trusted with the internet, you give your wife a password. Okay? Right. You know, because a woman does not want to feel insecure that her husband is looking at other women. Okay? That's not a good thing. Okay? So, but... A woman needs to feel secure with financially, with with secure in that her husband is not looking at other women. Now let me I'm gonna put something else out here. Women, you know, you don't have to look like a Playboy model, okay? Because for a man, you know, availability is very attractive. Alright? So you just remember that, okay? I'm available, I know I'm I like this, but you know, honey, I'm willing. That's exciting to a man. You don't have to be a Victoria's Secret model, okay? And you know, that's it. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. And, um, oh, oh, we can Okay, well, yeah. And, um, so, uh, now I'm totally lost track. Uh, okay, so that, in that, that situation, I would have done it differently. You know, I would have given him time to clean his world, is what I should have done. And then I should have come to him with, uh, with, all, with uh, first saying, Honey, I know you're doing your best. And you know, I'm just feeling a little anxious right now. And I just need a word from you that, hey, we're going to make it. And you know, this is how I'm feeling. Um, it's always good to never accuse. No, don't use you, 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 you. You say I. Okay, it's a simple, simple thing. Yeah. Say, I'm feeling this way. You know, I, I need help. I need your reassurance. I, because a man wants to do that. So, and sometimes we women, we have to help our men out. And, and then, we, and then um, you know, actually how we started the family altar, because uh, the boys were very little, I, I said to you, I said, oh, honey, the studies show that men who read to their children, their children become readers. You don't remember that, do you? No. And, no. And, you know, you, 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 you plant that seed. And, you know, do you, I think we, you know, and, of course, too, I, I made the opportunity for us to have family devotions because we always had dinner together at our, at our kitchen. So we, we had dinner. And, you know, if you have no kids, men still lead in family devotions. And so um, after, after we, we started did, that night. We started at night when all the boys were little and they all went to bed at the same time. You know, so that was easier. But then we had to move to after dinner uh, when we were all at the table together. We still do that. Yes. We yes. still do that. Then no matter who's at, who's at the house. And so... What I typically do is, is I will read the Bible. Take We just read through the Bible. I mean, see, you don't have to go buy all kinds of stuff. Just open your Bible, read one chapter, you know, and then, uh, you know, if you're a couple, you know, you might start just getting the habit of doing it. Even your kids are little right now, get in the habit of doing it. Something. You need to do it because 
I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I, I thank God for where my kids are. I, I, it's the grace of God. But because we have raised them up, we went through the Bible, I think, nine or ten times before they were, before they had hit their teens. And, uh, and, and that, the Bible says of it, you know, how shall a young man cleanse his way? For every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And, you know, and, and so they have been, you know, there's been biblical principles instilled in their life. Even one day, Melanie, we, she, we used to give our kids, you know, baths and, you know, you keep the door open, right? And so she went, one day she hears splashing going on in the, in the bathroom. And, you know, it was like more splashing than usual. Like stomping, splashing, going on. And she walked in there, and our second son, Jordan, is splashing across the wall, you know, the bathtub like this. And she said, what are you doing? He says, it's not working. You know, and, and what he was doing, she's trying to walk on water. And so he's like, it's not working, it's not working. But you know what, I'm like, props for you for trying, you know? You know, and he's going into the ministry. And I'll tell you, that kid is sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I mean, he... Uh, one Sunday, uh, you know, about a year ago maybe or something, I mean, he, he just started wailing before the Lord in service, man. And, and, and the Lord God came down in our church. You know, and I want my kids to know God personally. I mean, I, one, one time, uh, Justice, you know, we our, our door closed. We just got this house and, um, and, and the fence it had been all closed up in the back. And, and our first day, we went and got some crawfish. And we went out in the back and we're eating crawfish. Well, we had locked all the doors and windows and stuff like that. And because, you know, I'm kind of real anal about stuff like that. And, and the, the, the back sliding door, we had left it open because when you closed it, it shut and locked. And then you couldn't get back in. And then we didn't have, everything was inside anyway. I told the kids, don't close the door. Sure enough, one of them closed the door and locked us out of our new house. And I'm thinking, I'm going to break the windows. I'm just still eating crawfish. And I looked across at my son, Justice. He bowed his head for a moment. He popped up and he went straight to a window and he went, shoo, opened it up, turned around and said, the Lord told me which window was open. He was just a kid. Now, you want to raise kids like that? You want to raise kids that hear the voice of God? Because we have taught, as we go through the Word of God, I, I tell my children, I says, from an early age, God wants to talk to you. Just don't talk to God. You can hear the voice of God. So when you're praying, you know, every night, spend time waiting upon the Lord. You know, I pray for all of my children to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some have gotten into that youth camp and stuff like that. But I ask them still to this day, every other week, you know, are you praying? Are you praying? Every, yes, you read your word. Are you praying in the Spirit? You know, yes. Uh, what's God saying to you? You know, and... and we're just, we make disciples out of our family. But that family altar, it works. You know, and, and, and whatever time that might be, it might be at night. For us, it works great because Melanie makes a, uh, you know, we sit at the table to eat as a family, and it's great. And then, after, and then since everyone's there now, we found that that's the best time. After we finish eating, there's a Bible right behind my chair. I reach behind, I pull up that Bible, and whatever it is, we, I read a chapter, and then I ask one of my children, I say, now what is... What, you know, what speaks to you out of that chapter, you know, chapter, and, and they're going to, you know, this is what I hear. And it is amazing to me, you know, they've not been to Bible college, but it's amazing what they'll come out with. And I'm like, oh, that's good, give me a high five for that, you know, and, and, and so we go through and we pray, and that's our family altar. 
And from, I mean, I'm telling you, that brings peace in your home. I mean, the Word of God. You know, and listen. Seize the day, man. Take that. You know, do it. And, and, and God, you, there'll, there'll be fruit from it. Dads, do it. And if you don't have kids yet, start doing it. Just the two of you. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. You know? And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, our kids have amazed us. You know, sometimes... You know, it starts out sometimes, you know, what did you say? What did you read? But just keep it up, you know. Don't, don't you know, you know, be all Nazi over them, you know. But just, you know, let, let, it, let it develop. It takes time. Anything else? Okay. Now, we just want to uh, open this up. You guys kind of get the understanding of, you know, what, how God created marriage and what's, what his intention is for it. And, of course, we all know, you know, you know from coming to this church, and because of the preaching of this church, that Christ must be central in our home. So that's not something I think that we need to spend a whole lot of time on. But maybe there's something that you guys would like, our pastor, pastors would like us to uh, address here uh, today. And we just want to open the floor uh, for any questions you have. If I could just say this first. <clears throat> being a Bible college student, being, yeah, we're going to have to probably pass this around so people can hear the questions. Being a Bible college student, coming from a Christian family, and sitting at their table for the first time, watching him crack open the Bible, was literally, listen to me, the most amazing thing I've ever seen in the family in my entire life. Watching his children at that time, literally nine years old, six years old, three, how old was, uh, 14 years ago, your youngest would have been what? So seven years old, watching them describe the Bible and God's Word changed, changed my life. I mean, and then seeing how they're as a, them as a family raise their children, I mean, guys, our church yet has not seen that yet. We've seen the married couples come with the children, and now you're giving your life to God, and they're coming at that age. But the only demonstration of that is maybe Rachel or a Nancy who was brought up in a Christian family. But I'm telling you, what they are saying is a whole nother level. And my desire is that we catch that. So as the pastor, see, you know, in the old school church, they would call us the first family. And they would call her the first lady. Same thing with the president. They're the, they're the first one. We should imitate them. Well, if you're asking me, where am I aiming our family for? What's the target? What does it look like? It looks like this. It looks like that. And the other thing was, is the homeschooling nature. Because... Uh, sitting down with Sister Melanie and hearing her passion for children and education, maybe you guys cannot do that. She'll tell you it's not for everybody. Sometimes it's better for you to send your kids away because maybe that's just not your gift. They'll suffer being in the home learning, okay? But hearing her heart on that, that was the first time I ever heard it, and it's impacted my life. And I would say out of the SUM students, there's at least five other families that I can count up right now, that have all been impacted of it, that until that time knew nothing of homeschooling. And so when we're talking about asking them questions right now, I just want to preface this. I want you guys to start opening up. I don't want this to be just a few questions. I want us to get into, especially the Carrascos, because you're mentoring discipling people. I want you to bring up your situation with, uh, 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 I just named a slip by my Ruben. I want to get questions. I want to start hearing some of the things that you've dealt with. I want, I want, I want us to get this out and get some understanding. Homeschooling, those of you who want to homeschool, I know Robin, and I forgot to put you in the, uh, the Rachel category, but she lost her mother, so her, her father didn't quite keep the same tradition as her mother did. And so you guys are not going to do 
what your mother intended to do in your life. And so homeschooling questions and the family devotion questions. And, and, and I just want to say this more time because I brag about them so much. I want you guys to get this. When he's talking about, and they're talking about the strength of their children, I am telling you, we have Adolfo, we have these guys, but we have nobody that has lived the Christian life that these men have lived. From this, the way they're talking about the sensitivity. When I like, What's Justice's nickname, old man or something? Because he is so mature, you will sit into, how, how old is he? He'll be 21. He is 21. He met his wife at how old? 17. 17, so this is my wife. Never dated outside of that, correct? Never dated. Met his wife, said this is my wife. Married her at 20 years old. And they are married now. And how old were you when you got married? 20. 20. Setting that same example. You understand, this guy is 20 years old, married. And I don't want to say this to be offensive to anybody here. But his marriage is more in order than some of you older folks. That is, he is so mature. You sit and you talk to him. And, and it's like I'm talking to, to, you know, like Brother Anthony. He is so mature in the way he understands his life and relationship, who God is, how it all plays together. And, and, and this is what we got to aim for. That's what we want Alyssa and, and Davi and Nathaniel to be. That's what I want our children to be. And, and so if you guys have ever wondered, what's Joe doing here? You know, he's, you know she's pregnant already. They're talking about homeschool. You've got to understand, I'm not, I'm not making this off the top of my head here. It's, it's been proven. It's successful. And, and, and you guys don't, and, and here's the thing, it's, it's, it's individual, and they'll tell you that just like I'll tell you. That. We're not going to make everybody homeschool. We're not going to start a cult, move on a commune here, okay? It's, it's individual. If you don't want to read your Bible at the end of the dinner table, nobody's going to make you do that. That's, you know, that's not a requirement. If you don't want to homeschool, if you don't want your children to speak in tongues and get married at 20 years old, okay, that's all up to you. But what I think we should do is be real honest with ourselves in this kind of question and answer, because he did cut it short, because they could go for literally another hour and a half, and I wanted to hear about 20 other things, but it's okay, they stop. But, but let's just get some questions out. Having said that, no pressure. Back to you. Well, there was one more topic that I think yes. we should discuss, and I had mentioned it earlier, about the authority, the submission. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and because there's definitely a skewed... Um, a skewed uh, view of, of traditional marriage. I know the Southern Baptists, when they came out a couple of years ago and said, you know, that the wives had to submit to their husbands. I don't know if any of you were aware of all the flack from that. Um, and that is the, the view that is biblical. Does that mean a woman is a doormat? No, it doesn't. Um, and it took me a while to learn this, and I wish I knew it when I was first married at 19. The man is the head of the home, and he has that role... And but there and the woman as is, submits to the husband as the husband submits to Christ. Okay, so you've got the head of the church, then you have the husband, and then you have the wife, and the children are to submit to the parents, and then we as believers are to submit one to another, and so um, in all in love. So what does submission look like? I think that's where a lot of people like. Well, what does it look like? What does that mean? Um, you know, my husband, as the head of our home, he makes the decisions. Does that mean that he doesn't value my input? No, that doesn't mean that. But that means that when I've got a neighbor coming and complaining to me, I can say, oh, well, just wait till my husband comes home. You can talk to my husband. It's a protection for me. You know, if, if somebody's, you know, wanting to call, you know, anything, I can say, you know, right now, I just, 
you can talk to my husband. And my husband makes the decisions. Now what happens if you feel like your husband is making the wrong decision? Well, that's where, as a woman and a Christian, you trust God. And you say, God, I'm just going to give it to you. And I'm just going to trust in you because this is how the order of the home should be. And let me tell you, children, if you as a wife are not in submission to your husband, your children will, can have that spirit of rebellion. Yeah. Because that is what it is. It's a spirit of rebellion. And, where the, and I've seen too many wives who are in the church and they can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk when it comes to their marriage. And their children are jacked up. You know, where the man says one thing, but the woman will say, oh, and go behind the husband's back. And so, so submission. Now, I will say this, though. Most times when he has listened to my advice, it's nothing good. When I make a decision uh, and he's listened to me, and this is true, and I will confess, yeah, it's not been it's not been the right decision. And so, and norm, and I, you know, sometimes my flesh is like, oh, he's right again. It's not fair, you know. That's my flesh, and I want to say, you know, and I'm like, this just stinks. But you know, but that's uh, and you and when I listen to him, it's always been a blessing for me. When I've listened to him. I've been blessed. And so because that is the blessing of the Lord. And when we want our marriages and our families and our finances and all that to be blessed, we have to position ourselves. So as a wife, then, you need to position yourself to be blessed. And, well, how do you do that? It's through submission. And, um, And I'm telling you that there's an order there, and it brings peace, and it brings comfort. And, and you know, sometimes, well, what about if you feel like your, win, your man is not leading? Well, are you jumping in too soon? You know, you say, oh, honey, I know you're going to make the right decision, and I'm just going to wait for you. And, um, you know, and then a couple of days. See, now, too, we women want an answer right away. Sometimes it takes men time to process things. And that's where the trust comes in. And, and you can say, uh, okay, honey, um, well, this person called me again, and I'm uh, just letting you know. Uh, you know, it's all in how we say things, too, as women. And a woman, a woman can tear down her house, or she can build it up. And so by your words, I, I have heard too many women say such negative and derogatory things about their husband. And um, I'm sure you've all heard this. What a man needs, other than sex, is respect. Okay? And, and you know, two women, for a man, how we love to have a really good conversation, you know, and that meets our needs, it's sex for a man. That's like a really good conversation for a man. So just so that you know that, uh, you know, that men don't need lots of words. And, you know, we just, I just want to tell some women that they're men of action. And you know what? I just want to tell someone, we just give the poor man some Will you please? You know, it's like just, just do it. You know, just like here I am. No, it's true. It is true. And you know, you don't women. We don't always have to be in the mood because biologically, you're really only mood once a month when you're ovulating, and this is true. And so, um, and I'm probably turning all red, but you know what? You got to be real. I'm real. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm probably blushing right now, but 
Um, I'm the older women, woman. I'll probably, maybe, I don't know. I might be the oldest one here. I'm 45. And it has worked for me for 25 years. Oh, no, 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 no. oh, okay. Uh-oh. And a healthy marriage, you should be having sex at least three times a week. And I'm just saying that. I'm putting it out there. You want to know the number? Okay. All right. I know people are laughing. But you know, for a man, now, uh, the, and uh, is that not true, baby? And I, uh, sometimes I say, we, we did it like... And he says, who's counting? Who's counting? I'm counting! Okay. But it's true. It is absolutely true. Okay? So, um, and women, if, if that's what a husband needs, you know, you got to, if you're doing too much, your husband comes first. If you are doing too much and you can't fulfill that need of need of his in the bedroom, then you need to scale back. Because that is the most important need. And what, we're talking five minutes? No. <laughs> The women want it to be over in five minutes. That's the truth. Come on, get it over with. Get it done. Get it done. Her, and then and then I'll step in, I'll say, honey, let them get what they want. 
let them get what they want. You know, right? That happens all the time, you know. And uh, I remember we were out at... You've learned, that's right. But I mean, but I mean, the thing is, is that what, that's what we go through. And, and I would get frustrated. And I'd say, let them get what they want. And it's because of what she's talking about. Is that you, as a man, it, it's, it's very much like what, you know, that's why Jesus spoke to the man. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father. Because God put that in a man to provide and to want his family to feel good about what he's doing for them. Because part of that respect, we call it pride, but I think it's more along the lines of respect. That you, and honor, that a man wants to, his, it's it's part of a man's love language. To to give, to do something for someone, uh, you know, to provide for their need, to fix it, to do it, and to feel a sense of accomplishment. You know, and so don't stifle your man. Don't stifle him because he is really, you know, the, it, it could be a workout for a blessing for you because when things do get better, then you will get blessed right along with everyone else because that's how the husband wants to do it. You guys know this, right? You got let's go out to eat. No, baby, we can't afford it. Let's go out to eat because you know I felt sometimes like maybe if we had, you know, I don't know, you know, just figure maybe we have fifty bucks in the bank. But I come home and I see my wife and I see the family, the house where it's at, and then and, and, and you see the stress on the home and you say, let's load up in the car. You know, let's go to McDonald's or something. Back when you could get something for 20 bucks, you can't do it no more. So I mean, that's a wrong, you know, type of equation. But you guys get what I'm saying. You say you'll spend 20 of that 50 bucks. You know, you got things covered, but it's tight. And you just say... We're going to do this, and we're going to enjoy it. We're going to live right here, and I want my kids to be happy, you know, and, and that, that's where we're coming from. And, and, and ladies, let, let, the, let your husband do that, because, I mean, for him, it's, it's a faith thing, you know. And so for Jerome, he ended up, I said, told Jerome, hey, take him to Disney World. And Melanie, tell your sister, back off. You know, the thing is, is that because that's what he wants to do. And if he wants to do that, let him do it. Because he's going to remember that. And by the way, his kids will remember that. My dad took us to Disney World. And that's what that dad wants. For those kids to know that, I, you know, this is part of my love for you. You know. And so, uh, yeah. And so the, the thing is, is that, and then guys, and you know, with the respect, guys, women need our time. They need our ear. They're looking for Congress. They're looking for relationship. They're looking for intimacy. And for us, it is sex oftentimes. Man, we were together, you know, in sex. But that's not what they're looking for all the time. You know, they're looking for intimacy. So, I mean, if you like, you know, doing it and going to sleep afterwards, you know, you know, where are you going? Get out of the bedroom to watch your television show, you know. You know, you've done your duty, your, your, your marital duty, and so now you're headed out to watch the television show. Your wife wants your time. You love me and leave me. That's what you're doing. Come on, guys. How many of you do that? You love me and leave me. You know? You know, the woman, if you, she's giving, you give. Now, now I tell you what, how we, uh, because, because of the stress of ministry and because ministry pulls at you at all hours. There's no such thing as you, punch, you don't punch a clock for ministry. And people will come over and, I mean, you're ministering with people and then before you know it, 
you, you, you know, your family is missing your time. You, as a minister, you have to be careful because your kids need you to go throw the ball with them. You need to let them play baseball. You need to be involved. We went to every one except one of my son's football games. You know, and then he was he won uh, all state defensive tackle for the Louisiana Christian League. My third son, and so we went. We drove up all the way. To uh, you know, all the way, you know, and, you know, we had a lot better other, th- we had a lot of other things we could have done. Now I'm saying this to you, men, because when your children grow up, and, and and for your wife and for accomplishment, let me tell you something: your children want you to be there. Now, I remember my dad not being at certain things, and probably all of us do. And you know, dads, we can get into what we're doing. You know, and if you're working, you know, that's fine. But, I mean, as much as you can, your family needs you. They need you there. They need your presence. Your wife needs you. She needs your presence. One of the things that we started doing is walking together at night. It was good for us physically. But, I mean, we just walk, and I just, my wife is talking, man. I'm like, for one mile, two miles, and then, like, she's talking. I'm just, mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, so, so you've been practicing. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're doing great, baby. You know, don't have to say a lot. Guys don't have to say a lot. But I mean, you just listen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and then remember. It's, it's active listening. Though. Active listening. And, and remembering, you know, now, honey, because women will, listen, guys. You know, we're kind of dumb this way. You know, girls, admittedly, we're kind of dumb. We do not notice what you like. Tell us. Tell us clearly. Write it on a piece of paper. Draw us a picture. Say it numerous times. You know, put it in our lunchbox. You know, whatever it takes, you know, because we're thick-headed. You know, we just, because we get focused. We're focused on, we're in the moment, you know, of what we're doing, and we're focused on that. You know, and so women plan a lot more, right? You think a lot, a lot more forward thinking. Let me tell you something. I would be a fool not to listen to my wife. I listen to my wife. Let me, you know, I tell you what, she, she, she's talking about big decisions that we have made as a family. You know, like house buying and stuff. I, I, you know, and God created men this way. You go out and it's like logic and reason and all kinds of things take over. And you go outside and you look at it and everybody starts parking there. You're living in a neighborhood and everybody's, and we bought a house and everybody started, start, not everybody, people starting to park their cars on the grass. And for a man, you think to yourself, property value is going to go down here pretty soon. Honey, we're looking for a new house. We're like, we can't afford it. We're looking for a new house before we lose our equity in this home. You know? And so we did. We did. And then within a few months, we had a better home and we sold. I mean, it was great. And, and those kind of decisions. But let me tell you something, men, that, that you need to listen to your wife on, is that men are normally not as sensitive to people as women are. Every person that my wife, that I hired, that my wife said, that person's trouble, she was right. Because we want to save them. We're going to fix them. And like our wives look at it and said, that's fixed beyond what we're, you know, you're going to suffer. Because they're trying to protect you. You know, stay away. If a, if a, let me tell you something. If a woman tells you, if your wife tells you, stay away from that woman, she's trouble, you better stay away from that woman, she is trouble. Because they've got some kind of secret code happening. You know, some kind of secret, they know. They know they can look at someone one time. 
time and call that spade a spade. They can do it. And somehow they're better than us at it. And we're like, oh, no, they're just listening to us and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no way. You know, your wife starts to get jealous about you talking to somebody. You better listen to that. Because that's whatever God created in them that is a little telepathic something that they're reading that person's mind or something. She is called it every time. Every time she's called it. That's not going to work out. Those people are such... You know, with people... You know, and us guys, we want to fix things. And, and so if it, it, it does, you know, I'm just telling you that that's a fact. And especially in relationships, you know, uh, other women. You know, they women can spot other women. You know, how many wives have done that to your husband? Hey, come on, lift your hands, you know. Yeah, that one's uh, over there. Stay away from that one. You know, but uh, listen up, guys. But uh, in regards to relationship, women need your time. And, uh, and, and conversation. You know, and, and if you give it to them, they're not going to go somewhere else. And that's the thing what we're saying here. If you provide these things in a relationship that really, you think about it when you first started, really were there. Because you were wooing that person. You wanted that person. If you will continue to allow those things to be in your life, then you're, you're, you're building up guards. And, and, and you're, you're building up a fortress around your marriage. By those things that God, that you know, you're allowing God to be take center, center place in your in your marriage, but you're also uh, you're you're attending to what you care about, and and we know that you know if you if you give attention to something, it's going to prosper, and so you have to give attention to your marriage. Uh, getting back to uh, guarding our hearts, it's there's not a greater time in history where we must diligently guard our heart. And women, we need to guard our hearts. You know, this whole twilight thing, and you've got married women in their 40s, like, oh, I'm on Jacob's side. I'm on this. And I'm like, girl, you're, you know, that's ridiculous. That's, that's lust. I'm sorry. That is just plain lust. And you know what? No, no married woman should be talking about another man other than her husband. All right? Now, I know we look blind. I know that. And uh, But, you know, you must guard your heart. And, you know, when all marriage, marriages go through rough patches, and that's especially when you need to guard your heart. Because that's where the devil will come in. And, you know, you're working a, a job, and, you know, oh, that man, he starts listening to me. He starts listening to me. And you always see him dressed up nice, and he smells good. Well, the thing, you get home, and, you know, men are men. You know, no matter how, you know, they're men. You know, and they're out the same. They're out the same. You know, and so, you know, don't start fantasizing about the man at work because he all smells good and dressed nice. Because at home, he's going to look like your husband. And I'm just, I'm just being plain. And you you got to guard your mind. you got to guard what you see. Even married women, we must guard what we watch. We must guard what we listen to. We must guard uh, what we see and not be having this soul... Be careful online. You can get this whole fantasy thing going on online. And, you know, you start chatting, I aming, and, you know, and, and you start filling your mind with those things. You need to be focusing on your husband and on your marriage. And sometimes, if you're not, if you, I've been raised in a Christian home, it's probably easier for me than those who maybe got saved later. You know, it's a training of your mind. And men, too, you must train your mind. You must be diligent on it. 
like a soldier. And you must say, Lord, when I get these thoughts, I'm going to cast them down. I'm only going to think of those things that are pure and true and lovely. And I'm not going to think about the little girl that's, you know, uh, well, this is the thing. You know, Jacob, uh, the actor who plays Jacob, he's 17. He's a minor. And you've got grown women who are lusting after him. There's something wrong there. You know, and you have grown men lusting after uh, Kristen, who's, you know, there's, our world is upside down. You know, and that's why we've got problems. And, you know, you must train your mind and you must guard your heart. And uh, guarding your heart, whatever you got to do to guard your heart, that's, that's what right. you've got to do. You can't handle the internet, yes. gentlemen, get out of it. I mean, get rid or of it. those, you know, romance novels or... You know, I, I had a discussion with the Twilight books, and yes, I'm, I get kind of excited about that. And, you know, of a mother letting her 11-year-old daughter read the Twilight books. Now, I, I started the first one, and I, I, got, I got enough of the gist of it, that it's a lot of heavy breathing, and, you know, she, he's basically stalking her, sitting in her bedroom, watching her sleep. You know, if you instill all that in your 11-year-old daughter, you're stirring up emotions in her and desires in her that at 11 she should not be feeling. And, you know, and I told the, the, the married mother, I said, you're married. It's different. You can go sleep with your husband. But you're stirring all this this idea of, like, pages and pages of this heavy breathing and the first kiss and all that. I'm like, you know what? Uh... That is that is not right. That's not what you should be instilling and stirring up in an 11-year-old girl. Because when she's 14 and 15 and her hormones start racing and she wants to have that first kiss, and you know she's <sighs> all this heavy breathing. It's like, girl, and you know you must. That is not.
You know, you have you have to make a choice. As we decided a long time ago, we're going to make our children's leaders. Right. And we're raising up leaders. That's that's what we decided, and that's what we aimed for. And we made decisions accordingly. You know, my kids didn't even watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We wouldn't let my kids have never watched Saturday morning cartoons. Never. We made a decision what they were going to watch, and we just and you 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 need to take an active role in this. If you don't, then you're asking someone else to do it. We always now our kids. Uh, we what we did is when they became teenagers, well, they needed to be around other teenagers, so we started inviting. We didn't let them go to other people's homes. We started inviting, uh, like on Friday nights, we started having 30 to 40 young people at our homes before we had a church or anything. And so we'd have them come over to our house, and they could watch, they'd play basketball. You know, the guys would be sweating, playing basketball. The girls would be inside doing something. You know, and then we'd take one movie that we decided that they could watch, that we had screened beforehand. We'd order pizza. You know, the kids would bring in a couple of bucks. And we chose who they were going to hang with. And they didn't scar our kids. We let them play football, baseball, and all the public systems. In New Orleans, the parks, you can play football, baseball, soccer. Our kids played it all. And we brought them there. But we were there, too. We didn't drop them off. And then in the dugout, you know, I would, uh, it was funny watching because, you know, football, they were little, you know, the coach was yelling at the kids, sit down, sit down. And my kids would be the only ones sitting down on that thing, you know. And, and, and you'd hear from the coaches, whatever you're doing, you know, keep doing it. You know, but I was there too as a dad actively going by the dugout because I know, I played sports. I knew what those kids were talking about. And when we got in the car after that, I heard you talking to so-and-so. What were they saying? Tell me. What they what were they saying? When kids come around our neighborhood, I, outside, looking. I played with my kids outside. I, I played with the neighborhood kids. Football, basketball, all kinds of things. Why? I wanted to be in my kids' life, but I also wanted to protect them. You know? Because while Dad was around, nobody was cussing. Anyone started cussing? Hey, go home. You're not going to be around here cussing. You know, uh, what was this kid? Well, I remember one kid started talking about something to one of my kids. Man, I, I started eavesdropping. You say, that's, that's kind of crazy. No, it's, it's protecting my kids. And I told my kids, listen, whatever they're telling you about sex, ask me. Because I will tell you anything you want to know. And I'll tell you how God intended it. And I, you know, we, on the kitchen table, we have talked about sex to our kids. Tell them, you know, how, you know, how the chicken laid the egg. We tell, we told them exactly, you know, when they were, and, and, and I, you know, I know, and, and if you have history, you know, like I have, you know, you just said, and I know they're saying this, and our kids are like, oh, dad, you know, they're like, wait, stop, you know, you know, okay, dad, too much information, you know, they're like, because they were raised in a Christian home, and they're like, okay, dad, uh, I didn't need to hear that, you know, but I mean, but I'd rather them hear that from me and me give them a biblical model and to say, that's false. That is false. Than them to hear it from Johnny down the street who doesn't know his right hand from his left. You know? And so we, we've done that with our kids. And we act, we act and we continue to do that. And you make choices. You make decisions. You know? About those types of things. Well, I think now, too, as parents, you have to be so wise. And you can't be 
you know, I, we know some parents who would just not rather think about it. You know, they, they know their kids are on the internet or whatever. You can't even drop your kids off at Barnes & Noble or any bookstore. Don't do it. Don't drop your teenage son off at a Barnes & Noble thinking, oh, this will be fine, or the public library. It is true. They're curious. The, you know, you go down and it's like, whoa, and it's right there. And, you know, or even, I even get upset sometimes with Barnes & Noble because I, I go there. And, um, but, you know, there'll, there'll be a book in, mixed in with something else. And I'm like, come on. You know, this, this does not belong here. And um, that's why I, you know, shop a lot for my books on the Internet. You know, but it's true. You don't drop your kids off at, uh, at a bookstore unless you're with them and you supervise and you know what section you're going to. Know what your kids are reading. Um, and um, or if your kid has a mobile phone with internet, I, I, our kids don't, and I don't know if I let them. Simply because you know the pornography industry is billions of dollars worth of industry, and they're always looking for ways to get you hooked. And you know the sex texting, and um, you know I tell my kids too, you don't accept any phone calls from any numbers you don't know. I mean all of these. We have to be wise as parents in order to teach our children because they they're going out in the world and when I was talking about we they were never really sheltered. And so but we I I grew up in a Christian home, I've been a Christian all my life. And mainly the reason why I stayed safe because I didn't see that the world had anything better. You know, I I, I had that, that 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 sight like they don't look like they're having fun to me. You know, and I never wanted to fall away from God because I thought, you know, that looked kind of lame. And so what I had was real and was better. And so that's, and so I believe that that's our son. And you know, but we had fun. And that's too. You, with rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So when you are raising your children, if you have the relationship, and you put some rules in place. You're not going to have rebellion. I believe that. You know, because children grow up, when they're born, they have a desire to please you. Now we're, I guess we're moving into parenting, which would be a whole separate, uh, a whole separate thing. But children have God placed in them a natural desire to please you. Yes. And if you get that, if you start when they're little, and their desire is to please you, then you train them. Well, this is what pleases me, and they will do that. And um, also training them how to serve God. Yeah. We had rules like Ten Commandments in the bathroom. Of the, our kids knew exactly how they were going to get a spanking. <laughs> it was in our bathroom. We had it written down like Ten Commandments. Lying without a question always got you a spanking. You want to know how to, how to, how to get a spanking? We tell you how to get a spanking and how not to get a spanking. We did spank. The Bible says that. Okay, you don't bludgeon, you don't uh, you don't whip your child like you're you know bringing them before the stake or you know the Roman scourging, you know. But the Bible said we use these little wooden spoons that you couldn't you know into the butt. You know that's what it, the Bible's talking about, and it stings like fire, but it doesn't mark them up. You know, and it doesn't it's not hurting them. And it's funny because he, I, even I'm thinking about the picture. What we did it, for us not to discipline them. In anger, we chose the bathroom as the place where, like, yeah, so you, you would, you said, they were going to get a, a, you know, a spanking, you know, then go to the bathroom. 
And see, by that time, you, you walk to the bathroom, bathroom, and there was a time, and the spoon was in one of the drawers in the bathroom. It's funny because one of our children, he would start crying as, you know, tears yet, and he'd go in the bathroom, and he'd pull open the drawer, take out the wooden spoon, and hand it to us. <laughs> like, you know, like some British you know, give it to me, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's funny, you know, I mean, you know, our kids operated differently. It just, it just depended. But, you know, each one of them had different things in their life that left unchecked would have been seriously flawed. We had one child, like a firecracker with his anger, you know. I mean, we had, we had to spank that out of him. We did. And he is, you would, you would, if you pick, you line your children up and you'd say, who's the most loving? You would choose that child. And you would not know that that child is like an atomic bomb. Ready? I mean, he could go from zero to a hundred in a split second. John Mark, in our defensive tackle, all-state, all-state defensive tackle, he was creaming. You know, the, uh, their team was the last team in all the in their conference, but he was chosen first team for defensive tackle. He tackled so many, uh, uh, you know, running backs and, and quarterbacks. But I mean, he was using that aggression for a good thing. He was having fun. But and what it was, he's aggressive. But I mean, when he was a kid, I saw it, and he was our third son. And I was in bed with, uh, you know, we had these bunk beds, and one was bigger uh, on the bottom than the other. And I would go in there and lay in there, and you know, the boy watch the boys play, and you know, on Saturday morning, and, and I'm laying in there, and he came, and they were all in the same room, and they had set up the Hot Wheels with the tracks, you know, like, and so, and it was just time just right, you know, they had made this ramp, and so they let the Hot Wheel down, Justice and Jordan, and shh. And it jumps like this off the ramp and flies through the air. And he opens the door at the right moment. And when he opens the door, that Hot Wheel hits him in the head. You know? And he goes, ah! You did that on purpose! Wow! He tore the whole stuff. I mean, like in a split second. I mean, he was on that thing like Donkey Kong. And he just tore that stuff apart. And then as he... Yeah, you know, he was mad at his brothers, and then he turned around and he and he saw me, and I was right there in the bed looking at him, and he just froze, you know. <laughs> of course, he got disciplined. Uh, lying and uh, and and rebellion, open rebellion. When, when when we had given a child, we told them to do something, and they did not do it. You know, we asked him, "Did you understand what I said?" Did you, then, you know, you, but you didn't do it. Why? And then, you know, we all know parents. What's, what's the answer? <coughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, like Bill Cosby says, you know, brain dead, children, brain dead. But what they do know, they do know. They do know they did it because it's in their nature. They wanted to do differently. They wanted their own will. They usurp your will. If you leave that unchecked, when they become a teenager, you're not going to be able to spank them, you know. And and, and, and then you're, you're you're going to tell them, you know, something, and they're going to do the opposite. If you don't train, that's why the Bible says, train a child, train a child in the way that they should go. And then when they're old, they won't depart from it. You train a child, and so we in one one of our children, it was lying. I mean, the one children, you know, because he he would he knew what was coming. And he thought, 
I'm going to lie to get out of this, you know? And so, it's just, you know, one was with attitude. And so, it's, it's just different things. And, 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 and you will, you know, if, if you're steady and you lay down the law that these are the things, lying, and, and really they're biblical things. Lying, the Bible says, all liars shall have their place in the lake that burns with fire. I don't want any of my children to go there. I don't want them to be liars. I don't want them to be rebels. Because the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God's against the rebel. I don't want my kids to be rebels. I want them to be humble and to live for God. Amen. So, in, in essence, I'm going to have to discipline that out of them until they come to a place where in their conscience they can surrender to the Holy Spirit and God. You know? And so, you have to be active and then you have to be steady and you can't... And then you have to be redemptive. If you discipline a child... And listen, we didn't have this figured out when we first started having children. We have on videotape, poor Justice, he was our guinea pig. We have on videotape us trying to deal with justice, you know. And so we didn't do it perfectly at the beginning. But uh, we went to a conference, a homeschooling conference, and uh, Jonathan Lidwell talked about the redemptive purpose of discipline. And we sat there, and I mean, it was so enlightening. And basically, we put into practice what he said, made it our own, and then, uh, and then we're telling you the same thing. It worked. It worked. Amen. You know, we, uh, and so this whole redemptive, that's why we go to the bathroom. You know, that's why we use the wooden spoon. You know, and, uh, and, and, and then not being angry when we did it. You know, not having to be, we could have been angry when we started out. But by the time you get to that bathroom, you know, you calm down and then you say, you know, do you know what you did? Why you did what you did? And they may not understand, but you you explain it to them. You, you know, you didn't obey mom. Here it is. We wrote it down. You know, you knew. Yes. Well, we, we, we have to discipline you. Pain. And you, you, you give it to them. It's going to hurt. They're going to cry. But afterwards, you love them. You love them. You restore them. Because that's what God, you know, because usually I'm sorry. The kid will be sorry because they are pleasers. You know, they want relationship. You say, oh, I love you, you know. You're forgiven. This is done. This is over. We're not going to bring it back up. Just like God does with us. He throws our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Never to be remembered. So you start putting into practice the very thing God does with us. And you bring a redemptive element to discipline. God deals with us that way. We should deal with our children the same way. He's our father. We become parents to our children. We do the same things. And were we perfect? I, you know, I think we were 90%, you know? You know, and your kids are very forgiving, you know? And, and as long as you can say, hey, listen, we, 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 went over the, we went over the edge with this. Forgive us. We were wrong, you know? And being able to admit that to your children is a great thing. Any questions? questions. Anybody have a question, you can come to the mic, please, and uh, ask it to the What was your experience with um, homeschooling, and how, what were like maybe the pitfalls that you identified that you had to overcome, and then the, the rewards of it? You know, that's a huge question. When we moved to New Orleans, we did homeschooling primarily because the schools in New Orleans were so bad. You know, uh, the, one of the, some of the worst in the nation. Plus, it's so violent. I mean, our kids would have had to go to school with people 
you know, with guns and stuff like that. I mean, people were shooting each other up in school. We couldn't afford private school, you know, and so, uh, so that's where we were. So we decided to go to homeschool. Plus, we knew that part of our kids' education needed to be an education of righteousness, an education of biblical standards. And so we decided that this is part of what we're going to do. Now, it, it was tough. I mean, we had a lot of discussion, and Melanie has read most of it. You know, what? I mean, she just made it her job to, I mean, read volumes and volumes about this. And, and then eventually, you know, as we moved into homeschooling groups and communities, uh, most communities is uh, have, have uh, support groups. And... Uh, you know, it, when you start Googling, you'll find some in your area, there'll be other families. And then, it's funny, the first homeschooling group we were part of, they kind of typified the negative image of homeschooling groups, you know. And we're like, oh boy, you know, this is like the pictures of home, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the homeschooling families, like, that, how would you typify them, honey? Blue jean jumpers, long hair, I mean... Just like want to, they want to like separate themselves from. The, they've got their own culture, you know. It, 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 they become like uh, who are these people that wear the black? They become like Amish people. They become the Amish community, you know. And we knew we didn't want to raise our kids like that, looking like you know a bunch of Amish people. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not trying to say you're Amish in here. I don't know that there's any Amish people in here, but I'm just saying, you know, that we didn't want to do that. And so uh, we wanted our kids to be relevant, you know, we wanted our kids to be relevant, you know, and uh, I think we've done that. But Melanie probably did the most, she did most, because we were building the school, she did most of the, the pre-work, and then ended up becoming, uh, at one point, uh, head of a, a homeschooling co-op, and uh, one of the, the heads of a homeschooling group. And then uh, we finally found a homeschooling group that came together, more families like ours, you know, and uh, Christian families, and we wanted them to be around Christian kids. And uh, then we, uh, we, you know, developed Melanie developed a co-op where, you know, I think at one time there was a hundred kids, a hundred kids. So it's almost like they were once a week they would meet and all the kids would come together. And there was a cooperative of being able to teach them, uh, you know, math, sciences. And so you know they get they got the pig. You know they had like a biology class, and we had one teacher come in just to teach you know, whole class of doing that. So there's all kinds of neat ways that in the church, that if you get enough families together, that you can help one another to do it, and you're not alone, you know. But I'm going to let Melanie talk, because she is really the one that knows more all the in and outs, and can answer that question. Um, well, it, it, like Pastor Joe said, you know, it might not be an option for a lot of people. Um, it worked for us, because I was a stay-at-home mom, um, it, again, it's a financial sacrifice to be a stay-at-home mom, but you can homeschool really cheap. I mean, you almost could homeschool for free now with the use of the internet, public libraries, um, your imagination. It's it's really not that hard. It doesn't take a degree. Um, we've liked the flexibility because of him being in the ministry. We've been able to travel with him, and um, uh, and we're we're all just really kind of homebodies anyway. Um, High school was great. We homeschooled through high school. Um, my kids, I think they did. Oh. Let me interject this oh. though while she's speaking. You know, you think when some people homeschool through the elementary grades and then in high school they like let them go off to high school. 
The fact is, and my kids did not want to do that. And, and it's the truth. They, they, you ask them, they like being homeschooled. I mean, because, you know, uh, I think part of, the, part of the good thing is, and all of us were in public school, right? Uh, I think, I don't know, what is the percentage of kids, uh, of, of really the structure in a, in, in a public school, where it's, uh, it's out actually the management of the kids, is like the, like a primary like the actual teaching that goes on. How many? How many? So, uh, maybe 90, hour, 90 minutes a, a day. I think it's a statistic of actual teaching. Most of most of it is, is keeping order, especially it's mostly keeping the class in order. And and like our kids are homeschooled for how many hours a day? About. It it varies. Um, you know, basically, like you know, nine to three. With, but, good, they, but, but that's not actual book learning either because we make life skills important. You know, the, the um, life skills in the sense that they have chores. Um, in high school, you know how to do a checkbook, how to do business skills. Um, so it also incorporates life skills. The book so, learning probably is only from noon to what? Probably to three. To three. Well, yeah. Not that many hours, because really in the school or any public setting, they're not being taught for that many hours anyway. So is there a system, you say, with Michael, where like our families were all wanting to do, the ones who want to do it, where do we start? Do we go to an organization that's already established in Chicago? Do we talk to somebody like you and you mentor us? Where do you start? Well, there's, uh, if you're talking about like a support group, just like, how do you just start homeschooling? Oh my goodness! You when you start researching it, it's there's probably two million children they estimate that are being homeschooled in the United States, but there probably is more than that. Um, and so, if you were to Google homeschool resources, I mean, there is so much, and you don't want to find out through HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, what your state requirements are as far as for compulsory age. In Louisiana, you don't have to put your kid in school until they're seven years old. Um, Illinois might be different. They might say compulsory age for a child in school would be six. Okay, so once they're six, then you need to find out your state requirements. In Louisiana, you just need to submit a letter stating that you're a private school. Um, we it. named our school. Yeah, we named our Bethel school. Christian Academy. High school, if, if you want them to go to college um, and, and participate in any state programs, that's a little different. Um, but, uh, you know, they, tutoring really is the most effective way of education. And basically that's what you're doing. You're doing tutoring, one-on-one usually. Um, but I've had five years, you know, some people get really worried, she's five years old. Uh, um, if you're teaching them counting, well, this is, <laughs> I might have to come back and do a homeschool workshop if you have enough that would be interested because, I mean, I've that done it, yeah, because I'm telling you, there is so much out there. It's humongous. It's just. She does a homeschool workshop. I do a homeschool workshop. Beginning of every year. Yeah. Can you just give them your testimony? Because this is in case somebody's listening going, Hey, your kids graduated. Tell your last one who graduated their SAT and how they got a full ride to college. Just so people okay. understand, not only just not only are they getting high, they're accelerating the oh. norm by. Well, let me just say this: yeah. most homeschooling kids uh, do either on average or above. Yeah, on average with, with, or above with testing. With testing. Yeah. Now, both of our kids 
got full scholarships, academic, academic scholarships, because of their a, uh, ACT scores. And uh, uh, one got it, uh, just paid for tuition. Right. My second son got it a full ride, and, and then they give him money over that. So they basically, they paying him to go to school. Because it's off the knee if we do this right. Just let them oh man, the most homeschooling kids. I mean, they like they're the top. Some of the top, you know, some of the top uh, academic people in the nation are homeschooling. But it also pays off if you have uh, special needs. Um, not that you know our, our youngest two. They're not special needs, though. My youngest is very dyslexic, so we're still working on his reading. So if he had been in a public school setting, yeah, they'd have shut oh my word, it, it would, you know, and his self-esteem. And my, sec, and my second youngest, who was a preemie, he actually took a while to start learning too. And because of his aggression, they probably would have wanted to put him on Ritalin, you know, and labeled him ADHD. Or, and so, um, uh, and, and he would have been so stressed out, you know, and he would probably have like, built self-esteem. And we don't have a problem with self-esteem, for sure, Jenna Mark. And so, of having four children, they're four different learners. They're definitely Josiah. Um, you know, he's not a fluent reader, but I am able to accommodate for that with his learning. So that is another advantage of homeschooling. Which he does well in math. You know, he's there in math, but just reading. Now, what 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 uh, nation is it? Normally, boys yeah. struggle. Most of the kids that struggle with reading are really boys. Mm -hmm. Usually, girls, uh, you know, boys do well in math and sciences. You know, early on, they get it. You know, uh, girls do better with your, uh, you know, reading. reading and that kind of thing. Language arts, Language arts uh, typically, typically. But one country doesn't even teach their boys reading. Now check this out. What is it? Which country is that? Oh, I, I can't. I don't know. It's one like Sweden or something. One of these oh, uh, European countries, they don't even teach their kids, their boys, reading until almost 12 years old. Imagine that. Because they have found statistically that boys, you know, struggle with reading. And, and really, John Mark, he struggled. He didn't read till when? I mean, like a book. They, they were because she read to them. You would have never known that they weren't readers. She read to them, and they could. And John, you know, Josiah, you would not know that he does not. He's just learning how to read, and he's thirteen. You would not know that because he uses these five-dollar words. Why? Because he's heard them. She reads to him, and if you read to a child, it's been proven they will learn. And really, the key to all learning is reading. Right? Now you're going to have to use that all throughout. But uh, John Mark now is an avid reader. He, he loves reading. But you know, you got to find what they like to read. But now, man, John Mark, I mean, he's, he's talking about, you know, the sun. You know about the sun that operates at this amount of degrees. Like, where are you kidding from? I read this. It, you know, it's, it's amazing to me because he didn't, you know, he didn't even read. And, and, and it's, it's, it's exciting. He's got confidence in reading. And you, and you would never you would never know it. Mm -hmm. Well, and Josiah, he's an auditory. He does well auditory, which means uh, hearing. And so uh, I put his the Bible on his MP3 player, mm -hmm. and so he keeps track, and that's what he does for his Bible reading every day. And he just listens to it, and he can almost repeat some of it like word for word back. So because, because that's 
But that kind of his gift, too, is that he would have been put in a special class. And that would have messed his self-esteem up, and that would have impeded his learning. Question. Since you're not able to put your child in, in, in homeschool and don't feel condemned or we're not saying that, we're speaking mostly to the younger ones and so, uh, you know, we don't, I, I tell everybody, you know, if you can try it, it's good, um, it isn't for everybody. And though I would say if your, your kid is in a public school or whatever, your job is a little harder. I think just dealing with what they come home with, but nothing is impossible with God. And, you know, it's never too late. All that we've spoken about today, you know, it's not too late to implement these things in your homes. And because God has promised to restore, you know. Any other questions? Marriage, homeschooling, children? Okay. Um, Your two oldest, uh, they do seek the Lord, and um, their heart was to go, you know, to university. Um, but they chose it, or you kind of added them as well. Did you? Into. What kind of college or university are they going to? Well, they both. What we did is really my oldest son now is at SUM, and uh, when when uh, when. SUM in New Orleans was not really, and they didn't really have the cohorts when he was starting to go to college. This was just being formulated. So, and, and then New Orleans campus is not like what Pastor Joe had, like the Oakland campus was, or, or what you guys have in your cohort model. They didn't have that. And uh, so what we did is, you have to do general eds anyway. You have to do general studies. And since he was going to get that for free, we just let him go into college uh, there and to take, you know, all of his general studies for free. Now, he went to Delgado, which was a college, uh, what do you call it, community college, and uh, it, it was all free. He, he was able to go because he had a scholarship and uh, to get that done, and uh, now he's in Bible college. Jordan, because he, he could go to any state university for free, uh, he's got a full ride, and uh, they're paying him. I think he made like a 27 or something on his ACT. And so he's just, he's, he's they call it top, tops, tops, right? In Louisiana, so if you make a certain level. And it's funny because they even make you score one point higher to get it as a homeschool. You know, they kind of, it's two points higher. So they make homeschoolers score higher. And I don't know why they do that, but... Because homeschoolers get it like normally hand over fist, you know that that, that kind of thing. But uh, so, but he got a full ride, and uh, so he's getting all of his uh, he's getting all of his general studies done, and then he will go to Bible college. He'll finish up at Bible college. He might go to SUM, you know, uh, or, or probably go to SUM. But. Uh, you know, uh, we helped him decide. He wanted to stay home. He works. You know, my kids work, and it works. My justice has been working. He is a uh, what? What is his job? He's like electrical. He's a I think electrical technician something. When uh, Katrina happened, they uh, these big companies that like for the oil field and these huge industries, 
they took 17-year-old boys and trained them in jobs that you know men you know were, were working. So justice got in on that, and so basically he reads blueprints and and uh, and puts together uh, these uh, big electrical panels and circuit boards for ships, navy ships, and uh, oil rigs and that kind of. He's got this incredible job. So he works full time, 40 hours a week. He goes to SUM full time, and he's our youth pastor. And so he is like, and then Jordan makes works maybe 20, 30 hours a week at night as a chef or as a cook, and uh, at, a, at a restaurant. And then he he goes to school full time as well. And then he is the assistant youth pastor. He just told me before he left. So Justice made his brother the assistant youth pastor. So, uh, and he's been preaching and stuff like that. So they're both they're both very excited about what's going on. But I mean, you know. If you can send them to the best, and if you can afford it, I mean, or whatever, send them to the best place you can. Well, the reason why I believe she was asking is because we have one son who's already in SUM, but uh, her daughter, well, my stepdaughter, who's uh, 17, she's actually looking into uh, universities now to start visiting stuff. But she's already said that she wants to go to a Christian university, but she she, does, she hasn't heard yet if she is to do full-time ministry. She already knows that if she's called to do full-time ministry, she's automatically going to SUM. But yeah. she says, other than that, she feels like she's being called to a, a business aspect. And, you know, I encourage her with that. I think that's great. That's awesome because Metro Praise is growing. So, yes, they definitely yeah. need someone who's, who knows how to work in and out in business. But her thing is she wants to make sure she researches and we help her research a good school that has good biblical teachings and that has also, uh, you know, career, career base. I don't, I don't know of anything in this area. Well, she, no, she's not even willing to go elsewhere. Yeah. She, 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 she had planned to go away, but you know, she wanted to be stronger. They're basically asking about our assembly churches, uh, colleges. What, what would you recommend? Which one do you think is like Eastern, Southwestern, or Central? Yeah, I mean, they could go to that. I'm going to just tell you yeah. that um, she can go away to a, a, an assembly school or any Christian school and still backslide. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying I'm just saying, please, Evangel. I'm not saying that, you know. I'm just gonna put it out there. I mean, you know, uh, if you're trying to get her into a Christian school, because I just don't. I really. I mean, some will be better than others. Like, uh, you know, yeah, North Central probably would be better. But the fact of the matter, kids get sent there that don't want to go there. You know, I went to Central Bible College, which was just from from ministry training, and by and large most of them were there for ministry, but the, there were some that were not. Well, definitely, I mean, I, I do definitely encourage you to pray about your decision and make sure that you're right, and if, if it's not a, a Christian university that if she does happen to go away, that she's going to have to plug into a church, at least, you know, that is, you know, very filled and, and uh, you know. I'm trying to read what you're saying. Would your paradigm say, if they're going to want to get a secular degree, have them stay at home in their church and I, go to a community college instead of sending So instead of sending her to North right. Central, is that what you're, I'm trying to figure that's out where I'm, That's where I'm going. going. I'm like, I would much prefer, I like it that my kids yeah. can go to university in town yeah. and I can help guide them through what's going on. Because you're still watching them. They're, they're still in our church. Unless I had unless unless they could connect with someone that I knew. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know. But not just go find a church. No, no, I, I, I you know. That's a good question. I mean, That's one of the things we have learned in this time of our life with our kids being married in college is, number one, uh, you know, we're still very much parenting. You know, our kids still, they don't have it all together. Even though now we release them, you know, they can make their own decisions. We're still very active in their life. We're not controlling them. We can't control them. But, you know, because we built that relationship, you know, son, you know, I know you can do whatever you want. But if you do this, this is the options. This is the potential. So it might be, so we have guided our children into still, and, and as marriage, I mean, you know, they still need guidance. And, uh, you know, and then my, my son's wife is a, is, a, is a great, she loves God. But she wasn't raised like Justice was raised. And so we find out we're discipling his wife now. You know, and so that's, you know, it's just part of, uh, you know, it doesn't stop, bro. It doesn't stop, doesn't, it doesn't stop. You never stop being a parent. I think, you know, I think you'll be a parent until you die, you know. Just, that's, you know, because at every stage of your life, you're ahead of your kid. You know, you're ahead of them. And... If, if you will build the right relationships with them and show them, model, they'll be and, and continue that relationship, they'll ask you for advice. They, they, they'll be there in your life. I'd like to use the curves across because you know, that is just such the wisdom we brought there. I mean, because we were with them, like, oh, you know, here's North Central, here's Oral Roberts University. But you know what? Thinking of every person we have sent to those schools spiritually. Because you're saying, find a church. But there, it's not a church like their home church. There's not a family like their, their own family. And, and, and the American model is, get them out of the house, let them discover their own self, because they're okay with the beer on the weekends. They're okay with the sexual experiment. But why should we subject them to that? There's no reason. And the ones we just sent away to SUN who want to get away, one of them, I just got the confirmation today, Lily, is coming back. They don't want to be away. But they benefit, in her mind, I benefited, I lost my relationship, I lost my accountability. It's even SUM Oakland, it's not the same for me because I have all of this and I have to start from zero. I mean, that was just great advice. Now, of course, she can, I mean, she's, I got to go, the dear say, let her go. But if you're saying you would good. steer them. Yeah. yeah. I'm with my kids. I'm like trying to keep them. Listen, I know no one's going to disciple my sons like I am. And I, we have the relationship. We have the relationship. We built that relationship. I've been discipling my kids. They know that. They know that. That no one's going to disciple them like us. And, and, and they know that uh, we have not steered them wrong. You know, the, but the other thing is, too, is that, again, if they make decisions, I mean, you, you know, what can you do? They can, you just support them, love them, and try and help them work with wherever they're going. Good stuff. Okay, anybody? Yes, sorry. So anybody next? This is great. What can we do to get you to be here every week? I just keep saying that to you. I just, this is, how much? How much? But I think though you should have Melanie come up for this because she does do a homeschooling seminar at our church at the beginning of every year, and uh, and we get people from all over that come to it that don't even come to our church. She won't travel alone, so So we'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) Any other questions? I know we're going long, but I'm sure you guys are benefiting. Any other questions? Let's talk real quick about finances. Let's talk about finances, because finance is huge, okay, in a marriage. 
uh, you know, finances. I mean, both of you, I know for, in our relationship over the years, uh, uh, number one, there's been times when I've had to, like, you know, take the finances because it was just too much for the wife. But, but Melanie is really actually, as far as the numbers, she's better at it, you know. But so we've worked out over our life a system where she's actually writing, you know, she's like the secretary writing the bill, keeping the bills, and then she asks me, what do you want to do? And I make this, I take the pressure off of her that, like, I make the decisions on where the find what we do, because we've had to do that because we've had to, like, okay, who are we going to pay, you know, kind of thing, you know, just... Yeah, and, and so I make those decisions. I take the stress off. And as husbands in leadership, we need to be at a place where we take that stress off of our wives. You know, but most men, uh, you know, get focused. And, and you know, I don't know, not all men, you know, but I'm just saying some of us guys can get a little sidetracked. And it seems like the women know what's coming up better. Is that you found that? He's all okay, so it's different. But I mean, I know in my, you know, it's like so, like she knows this, this, this needs to be. But then we make the decisions. Now you need to work out whatever system that you need to do in your marriage. But at the end of the day, husbands, you need to take responsibility for the. You need to take responsibility for for your finances of your home, and uh, you know, listen, guys. Getting in debt. Getting in debt. You have to watch it, man. We are living in the time. We have to be careful with your finances, man. Credit cards, man, if you're undisciplined with them, get rid of them. You know, I mean, uh, you just, it's the whole thing about wants. You know, living within your means. We pastored a church in our first church we pastored. I made $500 a month from the church. The first church I pastored. And she made about another 500 at the place that uh, she worked part-time, 20 hours a week. And so, um, and then, of course, I, I watched the kids. I would go in the morning till noon, and then at, uh, you know, afternoon, uh, noon, one till like four or five, she'd go to work and at the hospital. And, of course, before that, when we were in college and, and I was youth pastor, we were both working. I was going to seminary. We were youth pastor. And we were doing all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, but we made a decision when we went to New Orleans, you're going to stay home because our kids are at a place where they, you know, they need to grow. And, uh, you know, one of us needs to be home all the time. You know, and, uh, and so we just made a decision to step out on faith. I think, man, man, I think we lived off $1,000 a month. You know, it was crazy. You know, and uh, and people look at you and you're like, man, that's man, that's poverty. Yes, but let me tell you something. Uh, one thing I always say is, you can do anything. You have a will to do. You can you can do anything. You can make it work if you're willing to sacrifice. If you if, if you if you see that um, you know the, here we are a, a church plant buying a church. You know, and, and I was, t- and, and we have not taken out a loan for any of the renovations, not one loan for the renovations. It's all it take it took more time. It was harder to do, but I've told the guys, hey, there's always a way. All throughout the year, I tell my guys, there's a way. There's always a way because we serve God, right? 
there's always a way. Now, it may not come like I want it. It may not come like I think. It may be totally, you know, from the left field. And it, but, you know, but God will help you make a way. And God will help you in your finances. And uh, part of being able to, part, the big part of it is living within your means. You know, maybe you'd like to live, man, we've lived in all kinds of different places. You know, we lived on the bad side of town. You know, we've lived in different places to make it work. You know, we remember paying, what, 225 175 on Jim Taylor, how much did we pay? It was under 200 for a rent on a loft. You know, at, by, by the LSU University, it was a party little area. This was a long time ago, but I mean, you know, you don't find that hardly anymore. But And then we lived in, when I was in Springfield, we lived in a home that looked like, you know, you could see through the walls almost uh, for 200 bucks a month, right? You know, and that's cheap. But I mean, we made it work. And we even bought a car, a cheap car during that time. People were like, how can you afford a car? You know, because we lived within our means and we weren't in debt. And that's the key. I mean, you can make it work. Now, Ministry has put us in debt. The SUM took all of the equity. You know, I mean, we're still paying for SUM, you know. But um, but we've had to live by faith, and we just made it work. And, and God has promised that if we obey Him, we live for Him, if He is the, the centerpiece of our life, if He is the Lord of our life, He has promised that He will provide for us, that He will do it. We pay our tithes, He provides for us. Those are the principles in God's word. You know, you uh, you sow, you reap. And three times, you know, and so you sow uh, sin, you're going to reap a life of destruction. You know, you sow the gospel, you're going to reap souls. That's the law of the harvest. The third thing, you sow in your finances, you're going to reap from finances. So that's a that's those are principles in the word of God, and they work. They are true. Just like Pastor was saying earlier. You know, you need to sow your way out of a situation. That's true. But living within your means, so many, you know, let me tell you something. If you can't afford cable, don't get it. You know, get the rabbit ears, you know, or whatever they have now. You know, if you can't afford it, and there's times when we've had to like, okay, no, you know, dish TV. You know, we're not going to be able to do it, you know, or we're going to have to cut it back to here, you know. Come on, you don't need that to live. There's things you do not need. And then, you know, uh, and this is a whole other topic. But wives, I mean, if you're thinking, well, man, I, you know, I've got to buy all this food this special way, package this special way. You, you might need to take out a cookbook and learn how to make things. You know? You know, I know things are so easy, you know. And I'm not, you know, Mel, Melanie, maybe you need to pipe in on this. But the whole thing is, it is cheaper to, uh, isn't that, is that not true? It's cheaper not to cook with all these. T- talk about that real quick. Come on. Um, home. Uh, um, uh, well, cooking from scratch is always cheaper. Um, uh, oh I don't even know where to start. Um, I'm, I'm a tightwad. I'm thrifty. Okay? I'm, I'm probably one of the most thrifty people you know. Sometimes to the extreme. Sometimes. You know, but, uh, you know, I wash my Ziploc eggs, I wash my foil, I reuse them. Um, I shop, I love to shop at the thrift store. Oh man, you know, I'm there. I'm the thrift store shopper, and I cook from scratch. Um, I cut my own kids' hair. 
Um, and sometimes I do those things because it saves money, but not even at times when we didn't even have to do it, I did it. You know, and uh, uh, those lessons have been passed on to the boys. My boys are givers and savers. They are not spenders in any way. Um, you know, they don't have the iPod. They have an MP3 player. I think it's Sanyo. Um, not to say that, but they just like it works. It's fine. Um, so you, can, you condition your kids. Yeah, you right. Kids. You know, I did never. We never did big birthday parties because I mean, you start that at one. Well, what are they going to expect when they're 16, right? Our boys all know their first cars are going to be big and ugly. I mean, they know that. <laughs> um, those things, because too, another thing is I was always felt I'm training them for mission, for ministry. I'm training. They might be on the mission field. Um, you know, ethnic food is always cheaper than usually American food. Beans and rice. Um, and uh, all that stuff is cheaper. It's true. Um, you know. Oh, what else? I, I mean, think the thing, this was a thrift I'm, store. I'm probably not. The thrift store, it's true. There's been, when we had that little bit of money, you know how much, we clothed our children for most of their life through the thrift store. And myself. And there's a lot of wonderful things in thrift stores. And you're being green, see? That's how I say it now. I'm, you know, I kind of. But before that, it was just, we didn't I, have the I'm money. Excited. What did you have while that came from the thrift store? Huh, right now? Yes. My pants, my boots, um, this shirt, this scarf. Wow. Oh, somebody gave me this shirt. Uh, yeah. What do you have on the this shirt? Yeah. I it's think wow. this shirt maybe. Yeah. I actually bought these. We bought these pants, but they were on these sale. Are, these were from Sam's. They were $14. These were 14 bucks. these yeah. pants. I shopped at Kmart. I thought I'll save money now, but I got to get them. Fourteen bucks, Sam's. These. Cause Diamond Shop. These shoes were. These shoes were on the for sale rack. Be our first thrift store You know, and so, and, and uh, you know, or do something like that. 
You know? So that is just other ways, and you teach your children something. She took, you know what? Our kids, she would take them, and they would let them go to the uh, thrift store and pick up toys out of the thrift store. And they love doing that. They love being able to find something at the thrift store. And, then, and, then, and now with our kids at Christmas, we ask them at Christmas, what do you want? And like, you know, it's like pulling teeth, because they're like, I don't really need nothing. That's how this Christmas was in the last few Christmas. I don't, I don't know what I want. You know, like uh, we didn't Josiah. We didn't. We kind of got him something special for Christmas because on his birthday he didn't. There wasn't anything he wanted. And it's like we we're trying to like, what do you want? I don't know. And I'm just saying, but you condition your child to want. And then the other thing, see, that's the Saturday morning cartoons because I mean they're like you're conditioning your child, you know, to want things. I'm not saying you have to be like us, folks, but I'm telling you, you're conditioning your child to a certain standard of living the culture does. You know, and the thing is, is that you can find a lot of great clothes in, in places that are not going to cost you, cost you a ton of money. Now, my sister, it's funny, my sister, uh, you know, they have a tremendous food bill, but it's because she has to buy all these things, you know, these certain things. And you don't have to do that if you just maybe learn how to, and, you know, instead of buying cans of some of ready-made things, that you learn a little bit away of how to do it yourself. And I fix my own car as much as I can. You know, I change my own oil. You know, I, 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 you know, I do everything I can that I can do. Now there was times when, that when, when it was really, you know, how they say, a penny wise, a pound foolish. You know, there are times in my life when really I needed to go and just get my oil changed by someone else because time was more expensive than the money was. I mean, in the time, my time uh, was more worth, more, more valuable than uh, than you know what I would save from doing it myself. And you just have to you have to decide those things. But if but if you are starting out and and you know and you just if you live within a budget. You know, and one of the things my wife did, is she has a book, and she knows where every cent goes at the end of the month. She's like, there's a book, like, and receipts, we keep receipts, we know where the money went. We, and then we can look back after a certain time and say, man, we're, we're spending money over here we don't need to be spending, you know. And uh, when you're, because we always, probably only one year or a couple of years of our life, where it's been really relaxed financially. All the other years of our life, it's always been by faith. And we've been married going to be 25 years, and because we've been in ministry, you know? And uh, we made choices, you know? I've got an SUV. I could, when, when I finally got to that place, uh, because we were missionaries, and this is for you that are in the ministry, we made decisions, not just for our family, but we made decisions for those that support us. Because we weren't, we could have, I, I had, when I went to buy an SUV in which we used to pull trailers and all kinds of things, I could have bought, I could have bought a Lincoln Navigator. We had the money to do it, you know, but we decided, you know what, there's people that support us, that sacrifice to do it. And, no, they were both used, you know, but I'm saying, uh, well, first of all, we could have at that time gotten a new one. We decided to go used. And then secondly, instead of going for a Lincoln Navigator, we decided to go just for a regular expedition. Now, they're both expensive. But the thing is, one says something a little more to people's mentality. And then, if, you know, I'm a missionary 
People are supporting me, and the, you know, he's driving around on Lincoln. What am I driving? I'm making a sacrifice. And so we made a call based upon what uh, what might cause other people to stumble. And that's how you. That's part of how you live your Christian life. Um, how do you feel about birth control, like just the normal, not like, not like the the IUD or anything like that, but like just normal birth control? How do you feel? We used it, <laughs> so um, you 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 kind of answered it earlier with that uh, with the. There's some people that. Um, you know, theology. I'll give you a theological. You know, uh, we, we we've had people with us, and you know, you know, don't use any birth control, that kind of thing. And they, and their statement was, we just give, we just take whatever God gives us. And that's true, okay. But it's funny, you know. There's always concessions, you know. And uh, is it is it all right for me to go here, Pastor? Okay, because I don't know, you know, what's being taught, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, there you go. You do? I didn't know. So I would just... Well, now feel free. Okay. The thing is, is, once you decide to have kids, you know, just have them. You know, that was our thing. But the thing is, is that birth control... It, God put within... It's that, that model of knowing that, that uh, the spontaneous creation of souls. Where does that happen? It's a, it's a theological thing. You know, God gave that authority to man. He gave it, and so man controls, controlled it one way or another. Even you know, if he decided, there's some natural things that happen that control it. You know, but then you know, men, you know, they decide not to have sex or whatever, and control it that way. But as long as you're not, you know, killing a child, which we know life begins at conception. Then I feel like it's all right. We—that's what we've always done. And we counsel our, hey, listen, wait, Justice and Justina, wait until you guys are through with school. You know, which should just be another couple of years. And because it's hard, it's hard. Once kids start coming, it is—it's very difficult. And, and there, there's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think there's a biblical thing. And the people, you get the people, and sometimes they get this holier than thou type of attitude about. Uh, you know, well, we don't use any birth control, and we will give, uh, you know, we'll give whoever, uh, what was the statement that was always made? We'll take whoever God gives us. Well, the fact of the matter is, is this. You know, two people uh, out there, sitting in the backseat of a car, have sex out of wedlock, you know, and a child comes from that. Right? You know, now was that God? You know that that God wasn't in that. God gave the authority to man, and this is what happens. A child comes from now. A child is not a mistake, okay? But the activity, what would happen, was a mistake. That was a mistake, you know, and it was caused by man. And like you know, hey, well, you want to stop having kids? Stop having sex because that's how they come. You know, they come because you're having sex, and God gave that authority back in the garden. When he said, be fruitful and multiply. So he put he, that, that authority to man. And so man has that control over that. He has authority over that. And so to me, birth control is a way of taking authority over that 
type of a thing, you know, and being able to plan. Now, you know, as long as it's physically not harming the mother, or if it's not harming, a, you know, the, the child, then, then that should, you know, I, I feel like it's fine. Do we answer that question? You know, it's funny too, I'll just say this as well. The people that don't use, that basically what they're saying, sex is only for, 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 for procreation. But it's funny, these same couples are having sex after, you know, the, the woman's pregnant. You know? Well, you need to stop having sex. After it's over, park it. You know? Yeah. Park it, man, if you believe that. See, that's the thing. When people get all legalistic, the law, you can never stay straight with the law. Because you all, there's always a caveat. You know, you always, there's something that's going to trip you up. So, anything else? You good? Are you free? <laughs> Brother's like... <laughs> Well, I think everyone has some sort of birth control, regardless if you're on a pill or doing some sort of natural birth control. There's always, I mean, birth control is, is, is our human right in the sense that you mentioned. So there's always some sort of birth control. Right? I mean, you know, everyone, everyone does it. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I run away from my wife. I wasn't going to say that. Let's do a speed round. I'm going to hold the three minutes to it now. Let's do one question from each one. Let's give them one to two minute answers. Just because I know everybody. Okay, <coughs> what's the question you have for them? You're thinking, not ready? Ricky and Rachel, question. I have one else in that. Okay. okay. Um, at what When they're 18, they're out of the house, they're, they're free. That's a free. Uh, and even we, as they grow, we gave them certain opportunities to make decisions. Their jobs, what do you want to do, you know, those kinds of things. Even what they were going to do with their life, that was their decision. Based upon what they felt like God was telling them to do. We did not tell them. I would have never told my children, forced them to go into ministry. You know, because someone could have forced them out. I want it to be a divine thing. But I mean, at now 18, you know, you do what you want. Again, like I said before, we tell our 18-year-old son who's in college, you can do whatever you want. You have this opportunity. You can go die for your country, do whatever you want to do. You know, here, but we've developed a relationship. They want our input. And being a parent, is that's an important part of being a parent, is to enable our children to make wise decisions. Well, how do we do that? By having them make the decisions over time. Okay, you have two outfits when they're little, two outfits. Okay, you pick which outfit you want to wear. And another thing, too, we need to train our ch children to be discerning the decisions that they make. But if you do not start allowing them to make their decisions, then um, that, doesn't, that doesn't develop strength in them. Um, and so, um, yeah, our sons do. We've uh, give them responsibility. Yes, responsibility. Certain ages. You know. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Rookie, did you have one? Um, 
Yeah, I'll ask something. Uh, I don't even know if there's an answer to this, but uh, I guess if you could get some advice or counsel. Like a family who has kids, you know, I, I know you want to do family devotion, you know, after dinner or whatever. You guys can meet together, do family devotion with the kids. But how about if the husband and wife, they have a different schedule. One works during the day to take care of the kids, and the other one works at night to take care of the kids at home, or something like that. You really need to find some way to make it happen. Whatever, you know, breakfast, I mean, whatever works for you. Whenever you're all together, it, it doesn't have to take a long time. But just you make it work. You know, at some point, <coughs> you just, if we're together here, let's do this. You aim for it every day. Is what you're That's it, aim for And if you know, there's days we miss, but by and large, we, we have that. But I mean, there's days, usually Wednesdays, it gets put out because everybody's like, you know, because of church. Right. Uh, you guys have been married for 25 years? June. In June, 25. Congratulations. Um, when, you're, when you're married, you guys were building something together with the ministry and all that. So you guys spend a lot of time around each other. Like almost all the time, you probably were around each other. Am I correct? No. You guys were kind of. Well, at, at SUM, that was. No, no. At SUM, she was at home and I was, okay. you know, for 14 years. Okay. Pretty much. So when you, but you guys are building that together, right? Mm-hmm. With a team, yeah. What would you say is the most, like, when you, when you, there's two people that are passionate about the topic, because we've got this in the world, and we love the work, and we also have our business, we kind of build. Um, two people are very passionate, but there's always a lot of idea that pull across. How do you, how do you most effectively communicate those ideas without drawing each other out, or, you know, getting to discussions about it, even if both parties are saying the same thing? How do you find time to effectively communicate that? Because when sometimes when you're in the moment, you can get lost in what everything is going on. I don't know if that, that question is. With uh, you guys, because of the business you're going into together, mm-hmm. uh, how do we find time to communicate with one another? Right. Did you guys take a day out to just say, well, let's talk about what we talk about? Or, I mean, I think there was, you know, we, yeah, you, you have to set times, like for us right now, it's that walk, you know, that's that walk, so we go out for lunch, that's right, usually once a week we go out for lunch, usually uh, I take this, the church secretary out yeah. for lunch, you know, <laughs> sleeping with the church secretary, yeah. the church business administrator. But I mean, yeah, I just, you make time. Whatever works for you guys, you do need to set time every week and on a daily basis to spend time together, talking with one another. And you know, again, again, you know, this is not legalism. You know, there'll be days that it doesn't work out, and you, and you go to the next day. You know, but I mean, there should be that's your goal every day. To spend time talking to each other. Now we were together a lot in ministry. We like being together, you know. But I mean, there's things that she needs to do. Like she goes to her thrift stores. I don't know whether there's any thrift stores. I let her go do that thing, you know. She let me go skiing the other night with Pastor Joe, you know. And 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 so I mean, and, and I like hunting, you know. If I can get an opportunity to go hunt with my boys or fishing, you know, she lets us do that, and we. You know, there's times that we do do things that uh, that we like, 
You know, we can do them together. We do them. If we, you know, if we can't, you know, but most of our time is spent pretty much doing things together. So. Is learning the role, like I wish now that I knew back then, I, I wish back then I knew what I knew now, and I wish now I had the body I had back then, no, <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's the thing, I, I think that would be the thing that I would tell, <laughs> I'm finally getting that, huh, um, I think that uh, I would, that, that would be my greatest thing that I would say, and I wouldn't say it to my sons. But I would, I, you know, I'm trying to teach their wives, perhaps, that, you know, this is what I learned that I wish I had done differently. That, you know, I wish I knew more of my role, and I wish I wasn't in such a... Because I was very independent. I was very ministry-minded. I was very... Um, um, yeah, and so, I, you know, I had a hard time, and I think we clashed because of that. And, uh, and realized, too, that we were more of a team. We're a team. And so, um, uh, and getting back to you, it sounds like you're starting a business and you both are creative and you both have ideas. Um, ultimately, your husband is the one who is the head. And, um, and so, you're going to have to learn how you can share your ideas to him and still feel valuable and important, as well as him share his ideas with you that, you know, you also would respect here as well. And, you know, sometimes we're so busy listening, we're listening, but we're really thinking, well, this is what I think, this is what I'm going to say, that we're not really listening. So that may be perhaps what your husband was saying that, that you would need to work on. I think the other thing, if you're starting a business, has someone else done what you're about to do? I would go talk to them. That's what I would do. I'd go find someone else that's successful at what you're about to do and go spend some time with them. Is that what you're asking, though? See, but, or it that, sounds like you're like, asking, like, 
He's not doing what I want him to do. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the five love languages book by Gary Chapman is an excellent book. Okay. Um, That's right. Love. And the pastor Joe talks about love tank. Um, I think the thing is, you know, that both of you need to work at filling up that love tank. You know, and, uh, and find out what each other needs. And, and, and I think yeah. the thing is, is that if, uh, you know, again, if there's something that is unresolved, this is why we have pastors in our life. You know, that we can go to them and we can talk with them and get that third party in the middle of it. You know, really, we don't like hanging our stuff out there. We don't like anyone seeing our holy shorts. But the thing is, is that really in a family, the best thing we can do is go and talk and being able to be real. And I know, like guys hate it because we feel like we're being looked, looked like looked uh, like the like we're the problem. But but the situation is is that as a wife, you need to make sure that you're not coming with that attitude. You need to surrender that attitude to God and realize that in a marriage, there's not one person being a problem. Both, because you're not being one. And it takes both of you to make that happen. You both need to work at being one. And then know that the husband is, you know, that uh, that leader that God has called him to be. And that as God is working on him, God is working on you as well. There's things that you don't do that is per- that, that are perfect as well. Both of you are our work in progress. And we all are. And so there's grace in the middle of that. And so, but... To be able to communicate that, to be able to approach that with grace and kindness, that is, is a tremendous thing. Most men, you know, if, if in the right place and given their needs met, will listen to their wife, you know, what, they, what their needs are. You know. Wonderful. Nick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gloria Nelson. Me is this thing. I got uh, my, I got five, I got 13 years for him. I got um, five states and I got a, uh, but they don't want to split them. Yeah, I got four grown with the first marriage. Well, my problem is that um, she's the only daughter that he got, and she's like, he don't want to touch her. You know, he don't, he don't want to hit her. You know, when it's this is his time, he says B, and I say, and I send him back to her. And so we like back and forth with the thing. So anyway, last week she she did something at school that he liked, and he sent it to me, and he wanted to send it back to him. So I took the belt. And looked at like there was no tomorrow, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't try to tell her. I hate her that the dog went right to her face, you know. I went crazy on her, you know. And so I don't know. I want advice because he's the father, and and I don't know. He's giving it to me, so for me to do all the discipline just because she's that's his only daughter, that baby. That he don't want to hit her. He, if he hits her, it hurts him. If I hate it, it doesn't hurt me. You know, I hate it for real. You know, so basically that's the problem we have now. Well, I think the thing is, is that... You know, she gets away with a lot of stuff lately. Both parents have to, you know, if you're one, (laughs) both parents have to be involved in discipline. It absolutely has to happen. Absolutely. There's, There's not a question. I mean, you have to do it. Because, again, it's like anything else. We under we can undermine what's what the good that he, each one of us is doing, you know, in, in, in our kids' life if we're not one in what needs to happen. And 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 really that was the same thing, uh, you know, 
I had, we had boys. And she was always, women are usually the softer, you know, with boys. And I think women are, might be hard. I don't know this, but it seemed my mom was harder on my sisters. And I think that that was the, and then the dads, this is a typical thing. This is not untypical. One of the things I would say is really probably should move away from the belt and find these wooden spoons. They're like a, they're like a buck, and you know, before anything harmful would ever happen, they would break. They're made out of a balsa wood, but they sting like fire now. They sting like fire. They know, you know, because the Bible talks about a rod to the backside. And so, if you will do that, you know, I think that, number one, then, you know, you won't have the opportunity, like, that the face is being, you know, hit with the belt, that type of thing, you know. And I know, man, I was whipped with the belt, so, I mean, it's, it, you know, it, they're going to recover. It's no big deal. That thing, but the thing is, I think, in the day we live in, it, it, it is better that if you find some other material or some other method of, uh, of being able to discipline them. And I think that that wooden spoon, like, everyone has them in their kitchen. You know those wooden spoons? Not the ones, not the ones that are that thick. I'm talking about the ones that are about that thick. They're light. They cost like a buck, right? And then those man, whack, you know, and and they stain like fire. The second thing is is that you know you need to be involved in disciplining that child. It absolutely has to happen. I know it's hard, but you're harming that child. Because